Welcome to Passion for Collecting, the official podcast of CAS, where we talk everything collectibles from toys to sports memorabilia. And now here are your hosts, Chris Whitlock, Ross Barr, and Anthony Spinicki. Hey there, Collectibles fans. I'm Chris Whitlock from CAS, and welcome to CAS Presents Passion for Collecting. Passion for Collecting is brought to you by Collector Archive Services. Visit our website at collectorarchives.com to learn more about grading about grading and preserving collectible toys, video games, and sports memorabilia. I am here with my co-hosts, Ross Barr and Anthony Spinicki. Gentlemen, it has been a while. Welcome back. Good to be I back. I my catchphrase, but I forgot it. It's been so long since we've been together. I believe it's, uh, hello, collectors. Oh, hello, collectors. <laughs> Thank you for reminding me. Thank well, you Ross made me change my catchphrase. I can't say hello there, Toy Vans, because he said yeah. we have. So so I've had to change. And you know how hard that is. I noticed is. it, Christopher. I noticed it, and I appreciate your your change. But we do. You know, it, it is right. We do talk about sports memorabilia and, and, you know, wax packs and different things. And so it's not all toys, even though for me it not. is all toys. So Much more than toys. So, but yes, it is great to have you guys back. It has been a very busy summer. We haven't done this since um, spring, and I hope you all are well. And uh, I have a good show in store for you. So um, we have, uh, well, we're going to have our, our investors' corner at the end, like we always do. We um, and our special guest is actually one that I'm very, very proud to bring on is uh, Steve Johnson. And for those of you who are fans of the show Pawn Stars, um, he is the toy expert on there, and it makes perfect sense that we would have him on this show. And uh, I can't wait to talk to him. So it's going to be a, a good interview. We have a legitimate celebrity. Well, yeah, I mean, he's right up there with me, so that's great, right? So it's, you know, or or maybe a million times more, but I still am a um, hundred thousand times more, probably. Yeah. I, I I'm still a master in my own mind. So you're still my favorite celebrity, Chris. <laughs> you still are. Yeah. Oh, and and for those of you who who didn't um, watch, uh, Anthony had done a road show, and it's on our YouTube channel. And uh, he actually goes around and, and asks people in line um, if they know who Chris Whitlock is, and um, he got a big old goose egg, which I don't understand. How could that be possible? But yeah, you know, that work, was fun. I, I'm glad you loved it. I'm glad you enjoyed <laughs> making fun of me in front of um, all those people. So, but. Anyhow, uh, we're going to get started with CAS news and uh, a lot to talk about with CAS. Um, so we promised we were going to hit the show circuit this year pretty hard, and we did. Um, and and it, I'm well, exhausted. It's, so it's been a lot. It has been a lot so really from September on to, well, you just did one last weekend. We've had. Yeah, we've my, been, no, my, um, my wife divorced me and my kids left because I was never home. So that was fun. I abandoned you, Ross. I'm sorry. I'm a bad yeah, friend. And, and I'm a Anthony bad partner. I abandoned you. Yeah, no, Anthony didn't show up. So <laughs> I lost my family, lost my children. Anthony abandoned me. Hey, but at least we got some submissions. We got, that, we did get a lot out. of, but we've been, out. we've been all over. So, I mean, so I, I was in Lexington. I've been in Columbus. Ross, you were Cincinnati, Maryland, uh, um, Northern Jersey without Anthony. It was it's been a good time. I did my time. first Michigan show and we have one we do have one more coming up this year. I don't Where know. Is that one, Christopher? I cannot wait. Well, it is in the United Kingdom and it is my first time off the continent of the United States and I cannot wait. I cannot wait. That's an I'm, amazing fact too, by the way, which is great that CES 
is broadening your horizon. It is to Europe. I told I told Chris that he needs to watch European National Lampoon's European Vacation nice. and Euro Trip Euro in trip. order to prepare for Euro trip. trip. Is one of my so I, I the um was it Scotty doesn't know that song. I I still I have that on like playlist. I love that song. It's so be yeah. just like that. Yes, it will be. Yeah, we're gonna really be buzzing around, going to all the pubs. I um I haven't been working on my accent, but I, I know enough English that I know I can go there and speak the language and be able to blend. So I can't. I read all the <laughs> Harry Potter, so I'm good. I think I'm in really good shape. So our last show of the year is going to be um across the pond, as, as it were. Uh, but never fear, because next year, holy cow, guys. Um, you know, so there is a Star Wars celebration. There's ICC. There's three Kane counties. There is uh, Xenia, which is a, a, a huge toy show. Um, there is two of those. There is two Cincinnati's. There is two Columbus and partridges and pear trees and all the stuff that we do in 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 Florida and all the, your toy con in New Jersey. So we are going to be oot in a boot, if you want to say for those, you know, but maybe not in Canada. So but you never know. You never know. I'm very close to Canada, so. Um, so that's going to be cool. So as far as places you may see us, there's that. Um, other CAS news is we have a sale coming up. Do you want to talk to us a little bit about that, Ross? Yeah, it's our biggest sale of the year, depending on when this is released. We may be in the midst of the Black Friday or it's just coming up. But in any event, it is uh, we do a Black, Black Friday week sale. Not just Black Friday. Why have one day when you can have seven? Right. So the the sale runs from Monday, November twenty second through Sunday. I think it's November twenty eighth. Whatever that Sunday is, um, our biggest sale of the year, twenty percent off. Um, we are now. I'm, I'm gonna. I'll, I'll tease it a little bit, Chris, and if you have any color to add to it. But we have. There's no color for something that's clear, Ross. Ao. Let's see. You're teasing it a little bit. Uh-huh. With a an innovation that is going to change the face of carded figure grading forever forever it is we're a preservation company and you know i won't say much more than that um because we're going to let our rollout determine that but you know there's going it's going to be a cost because things you know huge innovations that change the world aren't free but it's going to be a modest cost but during our black friday sale you will get to take advantage of this innovation for free. Right. And it is something I've worked hard about, worked hard with, something I'm very, very proud of, and something that uh, when when the people see it hit the market, I think it's going to, well, number one, people that have already graded with us are going to be very, very happy that it's available. And there are people who um, choose not to grade because this technology doesn't exist, who hopefully now will be like, oh, well, now I can do it. So... Well, thanks to Chris Whitlock. Yeah, well, it, was, it wasn't my it wasn't my idea, but it's something that I was able to bring to life and something that I've worked really hard at, and I'm very, very proud of it. And I cannot wait. I cannot wait to uh, for everybody. It's gonna to be huge. It. I'm gonna say it. It's gonna be huge. It is. It's gonna be unreal. What are you talking? Yeah. It's like, and nobody's wait. and nobody's gonna notice. <laughs> I think I think people will notice. I will I will make it my life's mission to market. The crap out of this thing. Well, no, the the point the point of it. Oh, te- I get tease, tease, is that nobody uh, will ever notice. I see what you did there. See, yeah. see, uh, the idea is it, it, it's um it's it's something that uh, yeah. 
that you're never going to see. Right now must be so annoyed that we're just not coming out and saying what I it know. is. <laughs> I know. So, well, stay tuned. Like, stay tuned. really interesting to tell you, but I'm only going to tell you kind of about it, but not really tell you. Yeah, yeah. It. We're going to be very, very vague. So, haha. Um, yeah. So, so that is coming up. We have our Black Friday sale. We have this huge um, teaser. We're going to have all these shows. So, a lot going on with CIS for sure. Um, but there's also uh, places where you can um, encounter CAS online, mainly uh, you know social media. And so, Anthony, if you want to kind of recap, because you know it was, we're re, it would say we, we've been putting out some new videos and some some new things are coming out. And so, why don't we talk about uh, the social media side of uh, CAS? Yeah, sure, Chris. So. Um... Obviously, it's a podcast. You're listening to us. And if, uh, if you like the show, if, uh, if you missed it over the summer uh, and you want to hear more of this, please make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. Set alerts so you don't, you don't miss uh, uh, Chris's olive oil voice there. I, 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 I. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, listen, if, if you really like it, make sure that you leave a rating, you know, five star. We appreciate five star rating and a review. Because it really helps people find our show. It helps us. And uh, we really appreciate that. And if you're listening to the podcast, the audio podcast, while you're doing, while you're driving or raking leaves or whatever, um, and you want to see the items that we're actually talking about or you want to see Chris's Hampson's face, um, we will release uh, segments on YouTube uh, that are enhanced with the images of the things that we're talking about, all the items. Um, so make sure you check that out. They'll be released on our YouTube channel. So we have a YouTube channel. Uh, make sure you're subscribed to that. We have a uh, Instagram account at Collector Archive Services. Um, Facebook, like us on Facebook. Um, but we have a new uh, a new member of our team at the at the shop down at in in, uh, in Florida for CAS who has resurrected our Twitter feed. So our our, our Twitter feed is very active right now. And guys, did yeah, you know tweeting. we're actively tweeting now? Did yeah. Did you know, guys, that we have a we have a TikTok account? We do? Get out of here. We do. I, we do. Yeah. I I uh I couldn't describe to you what TikTok is. I mean, I know it's it's a, some type of video, but we do. We have nine videos. I, I like went to, to get the handle today. It's collector archive oh, services, right. all one word. And uh, they're actually really entertaining videos. So Rob is doing an excellent job. Um, so we're on Am TikTok. I, How do you like that? Am I in any of them? Because I mean, I'm the star. I you would think that <laughs> I haven't got residuals from any TikToks yet, so I'm just gonna put that out there. I don't know. I'm talking to my lawyer. So they're actually really cool videos. I would uh, tell you, tell you guys, go check it out. So cool, awesome. There you go. That's news to me. Oh, so that's cool. I'm, I'm reasonally up to date in what's going on with you. <laughs> I had no idea the way I take that. <laughs> so that's no, great. That no, is no. news. Literally breaking news for um, more even some of for us for the podcast. <laughs> yeah, sure. more 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 platforms the better, right? That's awesome. Well, cool. More places to find us, and uh, so stay tuned for more from CAS, um, including our great big reveal. But coming up next, we have uh, from Pawn Stars, from Rogue Toys, and and now venturing off into other um, realms, uh, Steve Johnson. So stay tuned for that next. All right, welcome to Guest Spotlight. And uh, we've had a lot of guests on in the past, and I am very thankful for all of them. But this is one that I've been very excited about and probably our most famous guest ever. So more famous than me, which actually is not very hard to do. So I'd like to welcome to the show, Steve Johnson. Steve, welcome to the show. Hey, guys, how you doing? Uh, 
Probably everybody knows Steve Johnson, but for the eight people who don't, um, he is the toy expert on Pawn Stars. Um, he's also formerly with Rogue Toys, and also now is uh, you've you've moved on to uh, sports cards, from what I understand, right? Yeah, I'm um, doing some stuff with a company called Game Day Sports Cards here in Las Vegas. Um, they just opened a new uh, store located across the street from the Raiders practice facility in Henderson, and awesome. it's amazing and it's got a beautiful uh uh recording studio in it and we actually started a podcast um i don't know three weeks month ago or so um and uh, got that started called the game day huddle so on their team doing some marketing and um investment advice for uh the sports card and collectible world so and that is definitely a market that i mean we've talked about sports cards um on this podcast a few times and whoa that is a market that has just exploded like investment level, you know, purchasing. I mean, you know, there are things that sell in the sports card market for six figures quite regularly at this point in time. It's 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 an incredible thing that I've seen, and that um, that world has really taken off. Um, and you have to understand too. And since you know, obviously, we're on you know with you guys in grading, like the grading world for sports cards was so far ahead of toys and other things, and so they've had time in that world to like really build that in to become a consistent thing in the market like the graded card market is the market now yeah it's, yeah you buy the raw card to grade to, it yep to get graded you know? i agree and uh so i think that that's really uh what's done that and so you've conditioned people to understand the 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 quality of value increase behind the grading aspect so right yeah, and and it's amazing. We're we'll get on. I I I do want to kind of like go back to the whole toy side, but but to that point, um, it is it is amazing how like you know you look at what raw cards, even vintage raw cards are are pretty affordable, and then they just scale up when it comes to to grading, and and people are starting to see that in toys, um, but in, in cards, it is absolutely clear as day. It's pretty it's pretty unique. Yeah, I'd say um, just uh, on a on a personal level there, I think what really like piqued my interest in grading with cards was I started chasing Joe Montana rookies. Okay. Because the difference between like a dead mint, like you think it's a ten Joe Montana rookie um, raw, and a you know a, a graded ten by one of the top grading companies out there, you're talking that card's thirty thousand dollars graded as a ten, and it might be. $400 as a raw ungraded like yeah. the market can just absolutely explode in the grading element on it just because <clears throat> their the population report tells you it's just so hard to get that card graded so I've ran around for years and I've bought you know hand collated sets from sports card shops that have this much dust on the top of them that have been sitting on their shelves for you know 20 years and gone through and picked out the Montanas and, and tried grading. And the highest I've, I've, I've graded one eight um, really? Montana. Wow. But wow. the problem is that card is always off centered. I've bought packs. Okay. I've bought cello packs. I've done, <laughs> I've tried any angle and, and, and possible to see if I can pull a mint uh, uh, Montana and just haven't had that, uh, that luck, but maybe someday. What's what's the, what's the going price for a, a PSA ten Montana rookie? Uh, you're looking at about thirty grand for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So do do you think it's really hard to predict how things are going to grade out with with card grading? Because it sounds like you found ones that you thought would grade a ten, but they're coming back an eight. Is it? You know, like toys, for instance. I think 
I can look at, I'm also own a grading company, so maybe that's <laughs> part of it, but you know, I can look at most toys and say, yeah, this is an 80, 85 and, and you know, 99 times, 90 times out of a hundred, I'll be right. But um, it seems like it, it, the, the grading with cards isn't as predictable. Um, you know, the thing with cards is, is that it's not only the fact that you're grading like the used element of the face of the card, you know, surface increases and stuff like that. You're also grading the sharpness of the corners and exactly measuring the borders. Right. And that border measurement, when you get into some of this stuff, is the biggest factor. You will have stuff with dead perfect corners, but it's a little bit off center. And uh, something I picked up recently, I thought I had it and I could show you. But um, I, I picked this up recently. And actually, this was kind of a fun thing. I, I did this on uh, TikTok. Was I picked it out of a record store here in Las Vegas. I caught it in the background of a picture in a case that someone posted. They were out hunting for something. And this was in there. And it was an uh, original Garbage Pail Kids Series 1 Nasty Nick, um, which is the card from that set. Right. And it's a nine off center. And what they've done is they realize that the off-center cards in the Garbage Pail Kid world is so rampant that they're willing to give a high grade with a designation the to qualifier. say it's common to see this, you know. And um, I, I was able to pick that card off. Well, you know, that's another, you know, that type of card or those type of things. They're, they're just so hard to come by and so hard to find something that's perfectly centered. So when you get a card that all of a sudden hits in that PS, you know, PSA 10 mark or a BGS 9.5 that, you know, is just a pristine card that the, the, in the, the vintage and older stuff, it is so hard to find. Yeah. And it's like hitting 85s with you guys, right? <laughs> is, there, is there a significant price difference between a nine off center versus a straight nine? Uh, not is. a not a tremendous okay. difference. Um, you're talking. You might be looking eight to nine hundred for the off center, and you're probably looking at about a thousand to eleven hundred for. Okay. Yeah, it's not, not no, you know. But that's specific to, to garbage pail kids, right? Because I heard that an, that right. an off center qualifier almost a, a nine off center would would be priced like a seven when it comes to like sports cards. It's kind of how I've generally, and they generally don't off center grade the sports card stuff as much anymore. Because you had a bunch of guys, and, and, and you know, it's the condition of the collector, right? Um, we don't have guys that have just sat on cases and cases and cases of old vintage toys to then just pull out down the road because they wanted to have mint stuff. But we have guys in the sports card world that since the late 70s have been going out and buying full boxes of stuff and sitting on it as an investment to later down the road bring it out and give people an opportunity to rip that open. Um, well, interestingly, and, we, we, we know we know someone that we were talking to for a while is a potential customer who has a vault, right? Took investments from folks to pull together money and has a vault of like three million dollars worth of sealed boxes of stuff for the exact yeah. same purpose. And I don't know if he actually plans to rip them at some point as opposed to holding for investment. But that's what this stuff has become, an investment vehicle. Well, certainly. No, it, it totally is. And the thing is, is that uh, a sealed box of cards with speculation that you might hit something that might grade high will go for tens of thousands of dollars for a card that <clears throat> if it is that perfect you know you, you find that unicorn that it's going to be you know a hundred thousand dollar card guys are not not afraid to uh to pull the trigger on it you know 
And, it's just crazy because um, of how hard a ten is, especially like you know you look at the stuff in the eighties where the quality was you know, quality was better than the seventies, better than the sixties, but you don't pull an eighty out of a pack or, or sorry an eighty you don't pull a ten out of a pack typically, you know, in some of that older stuff you just don't. Not especially I mean you had a ton of factors. You had the wax packs, right? So wax, you know, on on cards itself. You had bubble gum with a lot of right. those cards. So because the bubble gum, you had gum stains. You had you know those things. The gum residue moving around in the pack can actually get in and affect the surface of cards. And then the fact there just was no quality control and cuts. Right. So you factor all of that in, and that explains to you. And even you think like I, I know my childhood, like '89 Upper Deck Baseball, like we were chasing Ken Griffey Juniors. I challenge you seriously. Buy the next 10 boxes you can of low series upper deck baseball, crack as many packs as you can and try to find a perfect Griffey and buy factory sets and do the same thing. Yep. You won't find it. You'll find a perfect card. It'll be the most beautiful card in the world. And you'll be like, this is perfect. And the you'll hologram. flip it around and that little tiny hologram yep. on the back of it will have a chip on the corner. It's, it's crazy. Like from, from collectors, it's almost fool's gold to try and buy the boxes in order to, to find a yeah. perfect pack. You're better off buying a mint, 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 raw card, individual card, and then grading as opposed to just trying to find the opening packs. That's what's happening with the the new world. The new yeah. world is about guys are cracking stuff and hunting down those cards, and then guys are running in and trying to buy it from them raw so they can grade it. Um, so you're seeing that a lot. And that's that's really helped with the uh, the world of breakers, which if you're not too familiar with that, um, uh, quick synopsis of that is that yeah. you know guys are out there breaking product like we break product at game day and basically you buy into a box break a percentage of it or a team in in the case of sports and you're going to get everything from that team in that box and you're buying teams at different levels based on what projected can come out but we've seen some absolute just crazy things happen like we just had a half case break of some 2021 absolute football that they're supposed to be these kaboom cards that are one per case and in a half case break we hit three kabooms and another case hit wow. so in six boxes we hit four case hits in six boxes it was the most insane break ever and you're awesome. talking one of them was a joe burrow that probably is a you know as it stood a ten thousand dollar card and if it grades a 10 which wow. probably won't as a kaboom, probably a nine. But if that grades a 10, that's like a $30,000 card. It's probably 25, 20 if it, I mean, and that's, you know, guys are, but that's the thing is that guys are, are chasing this stuff hard. And the grading world there is just, it, it's the grading world is ahead of toys, not because just of time, but because of the, the focal point of the resale value of the product. Right. Like, it's not many display collectors anymore. The guys that just display their sports cards up to look at them. Everybody's an investment collector now. Right. And so, so, so let's talk a little bit about toys. Cause uh, we, we, we've done a lot of card content and then we'll actually probably end up circling back to it because of where you are and, and, and what you're doing now. But, um, you know, I know a lot of our fans will know you for, for toys <laughs> and, and it's funny. So I, I did a little bit of, I, I tried to do a little bit of research on you and, you know that there it wasn't a lot of get to know um Steve Johnson stuff on um on YouTube. So are you you are you know you were formerly with with Rogue One or Rogue One Rogue Toys and um and, and you're the Pawn Stars toy expert. Are you a toy collector? Do you collect toys? The stuff that I collect is stuff that I like or stuff from my childhood. Um okay. I have I have a I, I'll call it a small collection and by no means is it a 
heavily valued collection. There's random stuff in it. Like I'm looking across, you know, right now and I've got a, um, you know, a ideal like knockoff Godzilla that okay. has like flounder in its mouth. Right. <laughs> but I had that Godzilla when I was a kid and I had to have it. My, right. my, I would call, you know, most people would be like the best thing in my collection is the most expensive thing. And I'm like, no, I have a Marshall Brave Star blaster that is complete without a broken clip in it. Mm-hmm. And that was my grail, right? right. That's what I wanted. Um, so that's kind of how I've collected. I got into the Hot Toys world. I fell into that with Star Wars and Troopers. Um, I've quite a few of the different troopers and some of the the different figures and then just stuff that really strikes me. Like I had to have the the hot toys Thanos from guardians where he sits on the, on the throne. Um, I had to have that because I just (laughs) thought that that, that first appearance of Thanos was kind of like a big deal to me that like, we finally got to where we were trying to get in our MCU world. Right. Right. And uh, you know, so stuff like that is the things that I collect and little things matter a ton. You know, um, like the smallest, smallest little things. Like I have this guy, he goes everywhere with me. And this is the Vegas Golden Knights Ah, Funko Pop. That's awesome. He goes everywhere. Like I take him in my car, I take pictures with him. I, you know, play around with him. We did a promotion um, last year during the hockey season where uh, we did a thing called Take a Chance. And we took a picture of him somewhere that was like really cro- close cropped and you had to guess where it was at. And if you guessed right, you got a prize package from us. And then, cool. you, you know, we would pull back the shot. My favorite spot we went to was at Nellis air force base. We got a customer who took him out on the base and took a photo with him with one of the jets ah! and then pulled back and he was sitting on the wing of the jet. You could barely even see him pulled back. Cause that, you know, it's so big. So big. But, yeah. That's so it awesome. was, um, you know, to me, like, I think people collect differently and what I've done over the years. And I think what's made me successful in the world of toys is forecasting and being able to help people forecast in where to go, where, where they can get things, where's going to be a good buy. How is that? Or, you know, how does that fit your focus? Cause I'm a big believer in that too. Um, you know, a lot of times you get guys that they go out and their collection starts to become everything. Right. Huh, Ross? right. And, uh, <laughs> and they, they, they jump outside their focus. And then what happens is before they know it, they're chasing all of this stuff and then it gets overwhelming. Right. And then that's where all of a sudden you're like, you, I thought you were so into that stuff. Why are you selling it? That's like, well, I thought I was going to do this, but this or so I've always tried to advise people the best I can. Um, in that my focus is just stuff that I enjoy stuff that I like something that means something to me. Um, you know, it seems like some of the Funko pop things are kind of fun to me. Um, like I have a 10 inch He-Man and I've always, or the thing, actually, my favorite is probably the 10 inch, the thing. Okay. And it's out of the box. It's like a $10 pop, $12 pop. Right. But he can wear hats, helmets. Like, and so I'm always like messing around and, you know, like playing with the toy. Are you, are you surprised at the, cause I am, are you surprised at the lasting power that Funkos have had? I would have, I would have said eight years ago, if you asked me that question, I'd have said, yeah, I just, I don't see it. Mm-hmm. But Funko did something that there's only one franchise I can think of. And I have to say franchise for this and that's Star Wars, right? 
that really they were able to emulate, right? And that was they took the licensing idea and said, we're not going to miss on licensing. We're not going to miss the next big thing. And they went all in on licensing and they bought everything. Yeah. And that's where it worked. And the reason I think Funko's work and Ross, I know you have kids, so this is a really good, you know, the thing to point out for you. It's a family collectible. You right. guys go out and you hit your local store that has all these Funko Pops. There's something for you, something yeah. for the kids, something for your wife. It's family. And I, I, there's not another toy manufacturer out there that hits all of those marks. They just well, don't. I, I like the fact that, like, if you want to get a signature on something, that there's usually a Funko Pop of it. Like, you know, I, we he ended up canceling, cause, um, but uh, Corey Taylor from Slipknot was at a, a con local to me. And, you know, my wife's like wanted to get something signed by him. It's like, well, what do you get? Well, there happens to be a Funko Pop. You know, she has Metallica Funko Pops in case we ever run into Metallica. I mean, you know, there's just, there's always a Funko Pop for for, for whoever is going to be signing, even if there isn't a toy for it. A typical well, that world's gotten crazy. And if you talk to your friends at JSA, they can explain to you just how many Funko Pop authentications they do now. It's it's getting to the point that it's about it's probably more two to one on like the flats on like the eight by tens and stuff where I would guess that probably just a few years ago it was like six to one. I mean, it's had that close of a connection and coming together that people just they, they think like you do. Funko is the first thing they think of when they're going to run out and get that. Right. That especially item autograph. stuff, especially yeah. things that you just don't see every day. So it's. You know, that's it, it's cool in that sense. And that's where, like, I because I'm not a big Funko guy, but that's where I identify with it is if there's ever, you know, well, you know, in Unicon, I mean, you know, we, we were at, at your show and he's like, well, you know, I want to get something signed. There's pops for that. For whoever's yeah. there, there's a pop for that. So, well, and that's that's exactly it. And that's where um, I think that that world, you know, the world of Funko Pop is probably the closest correlated from the toy toy side to the world of sports cards. And personally, I think that the graded Funko Pop is right around the corner to about to become a big thing. And it's because, one, we saw this with Star Wars, and this is kind of how this happened, right? Everybody was able to finish up their collections. So what was the next thing? Get oh, a collection graded. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. So that was it. Well, you're seeing that with the Funko Pop world now. Guys that are chasing those Grail Pops are starting to complete those collections. And now it's like, what do they want next? Um, so I think that that's it. I think there was a company that did just Funko Pop grading, if I recall. I can't remember the name of the company. I don't, I'm not sure that they're still around, but I'm not sure we do that. We do that. And, you know, we've, we've graded, I think most of the Funko Pops we've gotten, ironically, to round out the conversation are ones that are signed that we work with JSA to authenticate the signatures and then in the case them up under our signature series. And that's how I encourage it. Yeah, I actually yeah. encourage people that not only do you get it, get the autograph authenticated, but you might as well get it in, you know, uh, encased and, yeah. and, and get it taken care of because you're going to display it. That's what it's there for. And you don't want to. So to me, it, it's a it's a it's a perfect fit world. And I believe that that um, I believe that that's the next big thing. And in, in, in toy grading is just the, the, the autograph grading in toys. Um, I think that that's going to be synonymous with what happens down the road and especially when we get kicked back in full schedule into things i think um because collectors had time to understand the market that's what happened during our shutdowns as we all finally sat down and said 
Well, everyone's been telling me every time I go on this marketplace and say, how much is this worth? And they say, well, why don't you go check that four letter word over there or, you know, wherever these you know auction houses are. Um, they, they tell you to go do that stuff. But honestly, like that really is what it became. Right. Is it it, 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 it became an educational process and we became educated during that time. Right. And your casual person became educated on it. And that's what I think the world of toys um, and sports memorabilia needed was they needed to to kind of kick back up, needed to re-educate people. And it happened. And because of that, it created a whole new marketplace of buyers. Well, and and with that, with with grading, you know, it becomes so much. People always want to know how much their stuff is worth. And it's so hard when something isn't graded to determine it, right? Because – because condition is so subjective. So when you say, well, what's something worth? Well, it's like, if you had it graded, it'd be so much easier to tell. Yeah. Well, if you, if you guys asked me, like if I was throwing, throwing something onto your guys' stuff, I would just say, protect your investment. Right. Cause that's what it is. And that's exactly what it is. Anytime I told uh, a, a customer that, you know, I've got someone who uh, submitted some, some DT figures to you guys. Right. And, He's like, yeah. He goes, I don't think they'll grade high. And I'm like, that's great. Protect your investment. Right. Right. There's no one going to question what that is or what there's no speculation on what the condition of that is. Um, And at least you have that in your pocket. And you don't want your drunk friend touching that saber, even if it is, you know, because they're so fragile. You know, the double telescoping sabers are just (laughs) especially like the, the Ben Invader, the Ben specifically. You see them broken in half all the time. Chris, yeah. are you having a lot of drunk friends come over? Is that, that <laughs> Chris, well, you know, Chris is the drunk friend. Yeah. <laughs> As Chris it turns is, out, to, to tolerate me, people sometimes need just to take the edge off. In fact, actually, <laughs> I'm about to break it. I just got this today, so I'm about to you know get going in. So it's Ed yeah, Belfour. Uh, what's up, Chris? Good job. Hey, That's probably there you good go, Chris Cross. There you, you, got, go. you got some Did Ed Belfour whiskey. Huh? Yeah, so, uh, is it a possibility? Can someone cancel us? I don't know. Get drunk on the... it was a, so Ed Belfour actually, he he was signing. I could walk to where he was from my house. He was like, he was at, at a party store. So I got, I got that, and uh, you know, because because I'm a toy collector, so you know, so. Oh, starting lineup. Yeah. Well, you know, and that's you know, we 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 talk about the Funko Pops, and like I'll mention, one of the things that you guys did is actually at um, so Star Wars Celebration, if you remember, Ross, um, Funko gave me a set of the 2019 blue chromes, but they let me yeah. hand pick them. So like I spent like 20 minutes handpicking every single pop that I did. And I literally picked them. We put them in the box, walked right over to the CAS table. And I was like, I want these graded. And Ross is like, cool. So you want you six saw. of them. He starts starts writing it down. And I go, no, I want them all graded in one shot, valuing against each other. And he's like, wait, what? And I was like, yeah, I want all six of them graded in one shot. We and I had another trials, guy there. Right? Didn't we do yeah. two styles for you? Yeah, you and um, you guys, uh, you guys returned that set and uh, came back at nine five. Nice. And that set of six graded like that, there it just doesn't exist because no, most people kind. would have individually graded six to try to get all the same grade. But I took that risk. But I wanted to do that because again, it was a gift from Funko, and you know, whenever I get a gift and uh, stuff like that, I keep it. I don't sell it. I don't. I either give it away or I keep it. That's got to be a giant way. display. How That's got to be huge. It is, but it's nice. It wasn't, you know, when we laid out how we wanted to do Those it. All, all six in a row? We laid uh, three and three. 
Okay. And then and we also they're set, sit there, but it's yeah. just wide enough to fit the pops and it sits and displays nicely. So it sits in my case. Um, there's a, there was an article that came out in the uh, Las Vegas sun yesterday that actually has a photo of it um, in my Yay. case. Um, Cause I did an uh, interview with them on the Las Vegas toy collector scene. So, but Sweet. Uh, yeah. And then I seen you pull your starting lineup out and I, you know, you circle back to the sports world a little bit, but that's something that uh, that's a world that I think the sports card collector is really, really starting to get into. And it's because those cards that are in there, they realize that some of them were short run, right? Some of them were regional. (laughs) Some of them are very poor condition in the boxes. (laughs) So, you know, finding, finding nice ones. And uh, that world has kind of come full circle, you know? 88 Jordan cards, like people were, were breaking open, you know, because PSA 10, 88 Jordans were like, like 20, 30 grand, right? At some point in time at, at the height yeah. of the market. I mean, it's, it's hard to find it that in a 10. You know, they were just, they, you well, know, the they one were... that's even harder is the 89 one-on-one. Okay. That one-on-one one's even harder. That's he the Jordan who... Isaiah Thomas. Okay. It's Jordan Isaiah Thomas, but each one of them had their own card. Okay. So you'll literally watch and I guarantee it in the next six months, you'll see it there will be one offered on an auction site that will be missing the Jordan card, but it'll be the figure still on the blister with the <laughs> Isaiah Thomas card. I see it. I see it more often than not. I have one and the blister lifted a little bit. So I'm probably going to grade the cards in it. Okay. Um, for a potential project that I want to do with grading anyways. Um, but, uh, you know, that was, uh, that that's something that you see common and uh you know i know we we push the whole you you know no you grade you movement forever uh to keep people from ripping star wars toys and stuff open these card collectors man they're going crazy for it they're ripping ripping boxes of 70 you know boxes of cards from 20 30 years ago they don't care about opening a toy from 20 years ago yeah (laughs) they're definitely a different breed of people we appreciate them as customers because you know we we we, yeah i mean again their their whole their whole business is based on ripping right right yeah a a toy whatever yeah but i will tell you this is that what those guys are realizing is especially early stuff and late stuff right so when you're talking about some of that later like even the late 90s um like some of the late 90s uh uh, football and basketball stuff that came out. Um, they were starting out in the bins at KB Toys and at Toys R Us. They right. weren't on a peg hanging in the aisle. Those, you know, 16 figures in a case took up such a big spot in the set. These stores were like, it's easier to dump it and we'll just put them all in a bin and let them dig. Well, that's how they started their life. So you can imagine finding very good condition versions. Right. That's like the really Star hard. Wars, like the Star Wars tri logos and uh, Power of the, the Force. Two packs. And the two packs. The two packs. Yeah, they were just beat up. They They're were just, just thrown in a in a bin at KB. You know. And look at Anthony yeah. bringing it back to Star Wars, huh? No, and that's uh-huh. no, that's true. But that's exactly <laughs> that's it. For you, that's so for you, Chris. <laughs> and that guys you. are starting to catch up on that, though, right? So now they're starting to see that. And so what I'm starting to see is that that high high condition very very nice um starting lineup figures are really starting to become a thing shoot up yeah and especially early stuff um i just submitted for uh um you know uh, our friends at mcfarland toys um one of their one of their people 
we submitted a couple of starting lineup pieces for him. And one of them was an 88 Epps um, a wide receiver for, I think, uh, a Green Bay. And it just, again, all of that stuff was regional. So it was only distributed yeah. like in Wisconsin. And then on top of it, small market. So they didn't make as much of it. And that is one of those figures that just does not exist in a high grade. And uh, good thing that by the time this airs, he will have received it because it's on its way back. But um, <laughs> he he uh, he he graded Ooh. a 90 on it. Well, wow. I, I will bet you right now it's the only, only one 90. that you guys have created as a 90. Yeah. Um, Cause it just doesn't exist. And uh, you know, the, the thing with the, the card conditions on those things um, and some of those toys, and I think you're going to start seeing it too. on some of those um, mid to late nineties, just general toy lines, some of the late Batman stuff. Um, you know, uh, I even think that down the road, some of the power of the force star Wars stuff, especially the stuff that was a little bit later. Um, yeah. Because you see, like, I, I even, I think of, like, the, the two-packs, like the Shadow of the Empire's two-pack and stuff like that. They're always, there's always something wrong with the box. Always. Like, right. it doesn't matter. Well, even, I think like, eventually. Yeah, the expanded universe stuff, you know, you see kind of tip up, tick up, like, you know, like Thrawn. You know, the first, your, yeah. your first edition Thrawn and, 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 you know, the um the Air of the Empire stuff. They just, they didn't make a bunch of it. Well, those have gone from, like, $7 to 10 Believe it or not, some of that stuff has actually gone up. Some of that stuff has actually gone up quite a bit. Like your average um, power of the force. What would be the highest value, like power of the force two late series item? How much are we talking? Um, I would probably go with Thrawn, Mara Jade. uh, Are they cracking the hundred dollar mark yet? Are they getting to that point? Not not all that stuff at all. Not that. um, But what they are is that they're being bought up, so they're never available. And, and, that's, and then that's telling you that that's issue. trending, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah and for, right from on. an investment standpoint, I mean, you look at, it's like the vintage collection stuff does have a lot of, you know, over a hundred dollar items. Right. And so, and people are getting a lot of that stuff graded. And if you ever want to go back and say, okay, well, I want to get, you know, an original one. You say, well, I want to throw on 85. Good luck. Because they were treated like junk for the last twenty years. I mean, I, 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 I've talked about this before, but you know, my, my when I bought Power of the Force two stuff, what you know, when it first came out, I kept it all mint and it was hung on my wall and I cherished it. And then I got married and went in a box and went in the laundry room. Right? Then I got moved to my other house and I got divorced and I moved to another house. Now it's in my attic. Well, the stuff that were eighty five nineties back in the day, if there were were toy grading, are you know like seventies now. You know, and, and then you have people now that are going and buying the vintage collection stuff and they're getting them graded right out of the back. So that way they know that they're going to be 9095s. Yeah. And so and anybody that wants to go back and get 9095s of these old stuff, good luck. They did, it, they weren't treated that well. I did I did that with something um, that I kind of forecasted for a few people and did, I actually graded with you guys. Um, and what it was was the carbonized um, Black Series. Yep. I started looking for anything that just didn't have a fingerprint, anything, because I realized early on that those, those boxes, that foil box was so condition sensitive and I, and I'm not making this up. I'm going to tell you guys this. I cracked 40 solid cases of Boba Fett's and only graded two. Wow. Because every single one of them had, 
some type of little tiny shimmer mark where they'd scraped against even with the tissue paper in the box and the box was so sensitive and i sent the two and one came back in 85 and one came back in 90. what how many were in a case recall six yeah and what i was doing too is i was cutting the edge of the boxes and opening them around so not even pulling the figures out so that way i could try to get them as right, mint right. as i possibly could because it took me i think it took me five different different mandalorians that i thought were perfect and then got them and like really looked them over and they weren't uh, before i found one to submit and i did get um that and i actually think the hardest one to grade out of all of them is actually the stormtrooper and that silver box um the fat but again those are those are ones that you know i can see that now and go get it now grade it now because i don't want to run the risk right. of not being you know anything happening to it and that yeah right now it may not be the value for that but give me five to to, to ten years or even after you know two seasons of the book of Boba Fett, or something like that, and watch what that figures because you're going to have guys that have these figures in their collection. None of them have them in perfect condition right. to grade, yeah. and I think people miss that sometimes. You know, they're, they're, you know, dynamic on on the grading of modern stuff. I mean, we get we get some, but it's a small overall small portion of what we receive. Now on the vintage stuff. There's room, right? Then someone can submit a 70, 75, 80, and you're still going to get the value on grading. But for someone, that's an interesting dynamic. For someone to submit modern, it has to be dead, right? For to to really for the beta value proposition, for someone to go through you know forty cases of Boba Fett. I mean, it's an interesting dynamic that I, I know that don't really think about. We just get the stuff in. I don't really think about the process that people go through to figure out what modern figures are worth sending in. That's, well, that's I know that there are, are some toy um, toy distributors that for a premium will cherry pick them to get graded. So yeah. you know, there is actually a market out there where people are, are cherry picking things to make sure that they're getting the creme de la creme. And, you know, because as much as I mean, you do, I, I watch, you know, action figure grader and, and he talks all the time, you know, like he goes and he gets this, but we, you know, he ends up getting things that are 90, 95s and you know where the value of those are going to be in 10 years. You know, if they're already expensive, you know, you have Ahsoka Tano's that sell for you know, 1500 bucks. Well, <laughs> you know, yeah. The, when you're starting to see that kind of return on modern toys, you know, the only way you're going to get that is from high grade stuff. And the best way to do it, the best way to do it is to get them early and get them graded, get them graded right away. Yeah. Before it gets touched, brushed, pushed, you know, whatever. Right. Cause right. It's just some of that stuff is so sensitive. And I think that that's uh, in the, in the, in the, the new toy market, I think that that's a, a big deal. And I think um, I think where you're going to see it even more. And right now, I'm sure you guys aren't grading a lot of this stuff. And I think down the road, we'll start to see it trickle in. But like the Ultimates from Super 7, like that's a line that they ship in a shipper box. Like just like the, you know, the, the Masters of the Universe classics, right? They shipped in a shipper box. That shipper box was folded down. Sometimes they were reversed in the box. The, the box folds in. It... it dicks you know dings the just the corner of of the box or the the sleeve or whatever it is and then all of a sudden when you pull it out just nothing ever comes out pristine condition no you know they just don't um and i think that some of that stuff and then you start 
factoring in the next step, which I think in the modern era is probably even worse than with the vintage stuff is the paint application and the figures condition inside the box. I actually think that uh, it is harder for you guys to grade the modern figure on its condition inside the box than it is on the vintage because the vintage kind of has a gray area, right? But on the modern stuff, we're starting to see where, you know, um, and there was one black series figure. I'm trying to remember her name off the top of my head, but that literally looked like she was looking cross-eyed. Right. Really? And that application for you guys, that's rough because if you guys get it and you grade that figure overall, you know, a nine five, but she's cross-eyed. <clears throat> right. You guys yeah, are going to get called into question, right? It's, I think it's harder for you guys to actually have to well, that. And also, it's tough because you, know, you have you, you do you know you spend so much time looking at the package. When you were talking about find the, the best Boba Fett, you're talking about rub marks, right? Like so, you found one that had absolutely perfect package, and all of a sudden, you know, you saw that the, there was a paint shift on, on one of the masking areas. Like, well, you know, now you're going to end up getting <laughs> you know uh, you know an an eighty an eighty on the figure, and it's going to hold the overall grade down. Well, that sucks right so and i think that's what happened to one of the fets was actually the the figure grade was an 85 yeah it pulls it down <clears throat> and it pulled it down to it was like a, i think it was like an 80 might be like an 87.2 or something on your guys's point grading and so it just so close naturally fell you know and hey right. you know it is what it is the gamble you, you play though <laughs> so let, 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 let's go back to so you are i mean because we can talk about you know uh, the minutia of modern stuff all day and, yeah. and we can get back to it. Um, but Pawn Stars is my favorite show. So, and, and that's, and so how, how did you get involved with that? And, and what is that like? So there was a mutual customer and <clears throat> he had been coming over to the store quite a bit and going over to them and saying, Hey, you should use Steve sometime. You should use Steve. <clears throat> so uh, around season 13, they made like a bunch of changes in the programming and like a bunch of stuff changed. They went to longer episodes. They went to a different day of the night, different day of the week, like all these things changed. And so um, I got called and asked if I, you know, would be interested in talking to them. And so went and talked to them and ultimately it worked, worked out. And so um, I was actually on the season finale of season 13. I evaluated a buddy lead all and uh, um, you know, he, uh, little designer doll from you know uh you know back in the uh, primarily they were rampant really like in the early 50s but like lee jeans basically were using them as a marketing tool and they became a something that people are asking for you know women started asking hey can i buy that well no it's showing the lee coveralls right you know uh, okay so they started to produce them that way so i came in and evaluated it and um and i just kind of i tell this story because it's kind of funny but i come in walk into scene and see Rick. I say hi. I say hi to the seller, go through my thing. I talk about the item. I evaluate it. It's all done. Rick shakes my hand, walk off. And then you hear cut, right? And they, they, they cut the scene. So you're like, okay. And then like, okay, um, Rick, is there anything you have? And Rick's like, no. She asked the head camera guy, is there anything you have? And he's like, no. And uh, executive producer Tracy, she's like, okay. All right, well, let's go. We'll come over here. So go over. So now they shoot the rest of the scene. They do the negotiation. I've left. I still get to watch it. Okay. I've left. They negotiate. They end up doing a deal, right? And um, <laughs> and all that's great. And so now 
at the end of it, you know, whenever you're watching an episode, you'll see where they'll like cut and scene and it'll be like, you know, the guys called me up to come to the shop to take a look at this buddy Lee doll. And I think it's really interesting because like those, those are shot after we film, right? Because they do an interview with us, like an exit interview, uh, pretty standard of most, uh, you know, that type of television reality uh, TV. And uh, so I'm waiting for that because they've told me I've got to wait for it, right? It's the first time I've been there. So I'm sitting there and I looked at the security guard when I went off camera and I'm like, is that it? And he's like, yeah, that's it. And I'm like, okay. So I'm standing there. And so producer walks by, she takes two steps and then she stops and she like leans back in scene. She goes, oh, by the way, great job. Oh yeah. She goes, yeah, I never had an expert do a one take before. And I was like, oh, okay, what? <laughs> nice. And so I, I'm like, thanks. I set the bar really high now because, you know, um, you can't so that scene, up. yeah, that scene has no edits in any of it except for maybe they you know cut something out of it okay. but there's no edits where we stopped and picked something up or um you know did something different with it or talked about something different none of that happened in that scene um since then i've only ever had one other one take so <laughs> it wasn't pretty <laughs> pretty unique or thing but what <laughs> well, do they give they give you sort any sort of heads up about what what piece you're gonna look at do you know when you're going into it I like to explain it to people this way. So for, first off, so I, do have, I do have a little gray, bit of, right? of gray area here. Yeah. Um, but no, this is the best way to explain it. If you were going to try to sell me something that you think is a big ticket item or something you think is desirable or something that I'm really going to be interested in, you're probably going to reach out and see if I'm interested in it. So generally, we have a little bit of an idea. And then two, they've got to schedule sellers. That makes more sense for TV right. to have everything where that needs to be when it needs to be. Um, what I love to tell people about the show and the biggest thing is when they do that deal and they shake that hand, they cut that check, they pay that money. Right. That's cool. So yeah. That's what you get so many people yeah. that have this misconception that think like, oh, this looks like it's staged or it's this. No, I'll actually tell you that I think the opposite of it, which is I worry about the fact that I have to make sure that I don't make mistakes. Right. Yeah. You undershoot something, for example. Or overshoot because that's right. If I cost Rick money, that's not good for business. Right. Yeah, right, right, right. And that was one of the first things he said to me was <clears throat> when when they actually said, you know, well, we'd love to have you on. Rick Rick's point to me after I had said a few things was, well, I'm not here to lose money and I'm damn sure not here to buy things I can't sell. Right. And that's, I think, really important. And I think that that can get missed because there's such the novelty of the show. Well, and the obscurity we of the stuff. I mean, um, I've never heard of that I, I know a lot about toys. I've been collecting toys for a long time. Ross, Anthony, have any of you guys ever heard of a, a Buddy Lee figure? Not at all. Yeah, Buddy Lee, though. Of course. Yeah. Okay, well, okay. <laughs> Ross is eclectic. But, I mean, so, I mean, you can be a toy expert and, and still see toys that you haven't heard of. So, you know, to you, you know, want to get a little bit of a heads up because, yeah, you know, that's something that, you know, if you're going to – and. It's 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 kind of crazy because I I thought I've seen every single episode and I don't remember that one so <laughs> so I mean like so for example was that a very valuable figure do you remember uh so the retail on it was about five fifty at the time okay um so it's desirable and it's got a collector market and it's one of those and it it leans more towards and probably because you guys don't see it it leans more towards the world of dolls okay um but it actually falls in the wheelhouse of people who buy advertising merchandise. See, my thing is, is that when I came in involved with the show, I know a ton about toys. They're the one that put that label expert, right. not me, right? right? 
<clears throat> I just research really well. Right. But I also have a background in pop culture memorabilia. So that's the thing that I think really made my appearances to the show were when I come in, I don't just talk about the value of the toy and what it meant to the toy market or what the you know manufacturer was at the time. But to me, this piece, because it was like, I think it was Route 60, Route 66 or something like that, uh, marketing piece, right? And right. they had different ones. Coca-Cola had a Buddy Lee doll. Uh, BP gas stations had a Buddy Lee doll, right? Like they all had really? this, this. Yeah, they all had this doll. So you have people that collect all those different, you know. But it hit the world of people who buy advertising <coughs> merchandise. And that's a huge market. And if you right. look at another show that's on the network with American Pickers, their number one things on the show that they always buy and always talk about is the advertising merchandise, right. the big yep. signs, the – you know, there's Gas a and huge oil, market the, yep. for that. Yeah. So we forget sometimes that in that toy world, we're actually competing against the guy who is buying it because of what it meant to the marketing. Or, or there's crossover. Yeah, we don't think about the crossover for appeal for other things. You know, yeah, right. that's very interesting. Yeah. So and so uh, that stuff, that I think that's what kind of makes, you know, an item like that unique. And, and like you said, there's stuff that you see on the show that, uh, there's stuff I've evaluated that I would never have a chance to just walk in or see, you know. And uh, are you I, so? Are you ever like so? I I never I know you would never do anything to, to compromise the show, but is there ever something that like you know they bring it in and you're like, man, you know, as soon as you get this, let me know because I might be the buyer for it. Have you ever gotten something like that? Where I'll tell you two stories, and I, hopefully you'll appreciate them. Um, the first one is. I evaluated a Lashosaurus and a um, Thunder Thunder Tank Thunder Cycle from Thundercats. Okay. Well, as a kid, that Thunder Tank Thunder Cycle I wanted. I I wanted that as a kid so bad, and I never got it. Man, it had a place to put your Sword of Omens. Like, I wanted that cycle so bad. Well, this one was in pretty good condition. It had a little bit of sticker wear on it, but it was really, really nice. And so I kept sitting there and just, I, I thought for sure they were going to make a deal. The whole thing was, they were, when they were negotiating, it looked like they were going to make a deal. <clears throat> I even had leaned over to one of the camera guys um, just before their, their negotiating scenes started. And I was like, you know, if they, they buy this cycle, like I'm buying the cycle, from, <laughs> like it's yeah. going to happen. And they end up not being able to get a deal done because the guy wants to sell both items. And ultimately Rick was willing to buy one, but not the other. Oh, and it kind of heartbroke me. The thing I don't do, I don't sit there and say to the person, well, Hey, bring it over and I'll buy it. I'm not there for that. I'm there for them. So if that deal comes through and it has happened and I'll, and I'll explain two spots that it did. um, When those things happen, then that's where, you're like, man, I wish that would show up. So I thought the guy was going to bring the stuff to the store. I never right. saw him again. Never oh. saw him again. But I really wanted it. Yeah, I but, would um, never. Yeah, I could uh, never be a toy expert because I would exactly be like, like, hey, <laughs> across the street. <laughs> no, there, there's, there's items that for sure have come in. Um, you know, one that did. Um, there was a San Diego Comic Con set of uh, Funko Pops. Okay. And it was uh, Batman limited to two hundred, Joker limited to two hundred, and Metallic Skeletor. Um, which are all very, very desirable. And now, like, it pangs me to know what we sold, what we sold the Batman and Joker for, right? Only 200 of those made. Like, 
premium well, franchise, yeah. premium I'm characters. Much. Like, uh, uh, we good. sold the Batman for sixteen hundred, and I think the Joker for twelve. And <laughs> you're looking at <laughs> least double that now. How much? Come on, now. How much are they? Now? I would say I would say the Batman right now. I'd have to look because I haven't comped it in a while to, okay. to really see because that world is all about comping like current market. Yeah. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if the Batman's in the three thousand dollar range well, and the Joker's in the twenty five hundred. Like how old, I just how old are those? Oh, are those, uh, those were from two thousand is it two thousand three? Okay, so those are some they older ones. Comic Con two thousand three, but again, they only made two hundred of them. But what's funny is that this guy bought you know he got one of the Fun Days boxes. And out of one Fun Days box, he got Batman, Joker, and Metallic Skeletor. What's the Fun Days? What's the Fun Days box? So the Fun Days box is um, when you go to San Diego Comic Con. Um, a lot of times they'll have like a party, and you get like an invite only. And then if you hit one of their Fun Day boxes, it's like this—you get a chance to buy this blind box that has like three pops in it. And there's chances of getting like the super uber rares. Like I remember one year, um, one of the customers that we had went out and got the of. Tw- uh, of 24 Jack Skellington. Wow. That was Freddie Funko as Jack Skellington out of his wow. fun base box that he got. At the- and it's a lottery and, you know, all that stuff, which makes that stuff really desirable. And so the guy, this is early on, guy, it just shows you like their quality control has changed because I don't think you would ever find two pieces that are limited on uh, those type numbers together in the same box moving forward. Right, right. I just don't think it would happen. But at that time, like to think that that was his box, but he didn't end up doing a deal, and then he ended up coming over to the store, Batman Collector. We traded some Batman stuff, gave him some cash, and worked something out, and um, was able to obtain those. But um, you know, telling another story on the flip side, which is, we had a guy, and this this episode was really unique. So he um, uh, he brought in this model car, right, and it's limited to a hundred pieces, and it's a Ralph Lauren Bugatti, okay, okay, and. If you know anything about the Ralph Lauren edition Bugattis that are actually made, the real car, they're I don't have one. No, I haven't. Yeah, so no, (laughs) they're all handmade. All of the wood is hand carved. Like all right, like the this model car is exactly like this. So this company licensed with to make these really limited edition models, and they make this car. So all of this stuff is every single thing is to spec, and it's all built by hand. And you got guys that put these together. Well, they sold for like eight thousand dollars. Whoa! New, right? Hundred of them. That's it, right? So the guy, the I, I, I get to look at the item before I go on scene, so that way I don't have to spend all the time. And then I do touch and look at him, but I get to at least look at it, and I see a couple things on it, but I don't say anything to anybody, right? I'm like, this is going to be in scene. I'll talk about. It. I'm not going to point it out. So while they're filming guy opens the door to the car to show Corey, and he breaks the door off oh no and you're like ah so for the show what's good for tv they ultimately decide we're not going to open the door close the door leave the door on there we'll talk about it we'll talk about doing a deal but what the guy didn't know was i knew something and so when i came in i i was like this is great and we're not even talking about the door i said but i can see glue residue on the tank and on this, and if you have a ten thousand dollar toy, yeah, that is limited and came from a specific manufacturer, if you're gonna get that fixed, you have the money to send it back and get it fixed by the manufacturer, right? Right? Because he made the comment afterwards 
after the whole thing and all this stuff, well, I could fix the door. That won't be a problem. And I'm like, why would you not go OEM on this, right? <laughs> like, you really would want to go to the original manufacturer well, to get this fixed. Yeah, that's so ultimately. It, like- as a toy collector, I mean, you wouldn't want something that was that was repaired. I mean, like unless it was something that was vintage. I, I, I when I talk about something like that, I, I think of Andy from Toy Story, right? It's like okay, they they, they sold the pop scene, but it was scene was from the nineteen fifties. And but if it's a modern Bugatti toy that was supposed to be made to really high quality standards, and somebody glued something back on it, it's like uh. <clears throat> so you know, and I and I called the called the guy out. Yeah, yeah, I called the guy out. And I'm like, hey, you know, yeah. this, this. And, and so ultimately, I tell Corey, I said, look, and again, remember, the scene shot, so we don't see you, you as a viewer don't see the door come on, right? Right. But I say to Corey, with this being repaired like this, I wouldn't purchase it because I just don't believe that another buyer of this would want it to have been repaired by somebody else that would want it been repaired by the manufacturer. Right. So after the scene's done, seller's on the other side of the room. I'm over there. I think I'm on my phone, like, you know, whatever, right? Back turned him. And I hear, hey. And I turn around and he goes, you. And I was like, what? Wow. What? And he's like, yeah. And so I was like, what? And I was like, have fun trying to sell that thing, man. He's like, I already have a buyer lined up. And I said, well, I sure hope that he doesn't see this episode air because <laughs> it's definitely going to point that out. But yeah. And so again, sometimes those circumstances come up where, and that's that's kind of my responsibility to the show. The guy hadn't broke the door, right? I still would have called Point this out. out. The it wouldn't have right. mattered. So when we right. filmed, we filmed with what would have actually happened, what I right. really was saying. Because I'm there to protect Rick's investment, too. And I'm not going to tell Rick, yeah, this is a great item for you to buy, and then have him sit on a shelf for two and a half years because it's been you know right. altered. Right, right. And so... And I always hate too. I mean, you get people that come. So, so he got mad because obviously he didn't like the fact that you didn't tell him to buy. And I, I and it, it, it is what it is in collectibles everywhere. But when people come in, they think something's worth a ton of money, you know, and they just they aren't going to get that out of it because it's a tough sell or it's you know or it just wasn't you know they saved it for all these years and it. I because mean, you even look at you know some of these '80s line stuff that you know are cool but aren't super valuable like sectors or you know something like that. It just. You know, they're out there, but they just don't have the value. And someone brings in, I've had this for 40 years and I've kept it in a closet. And what is it worth? It's like, eh, 25 bucks. You know? Well, and the problem that you have too, and, and I think that this is really a big rampant problem, <clears throat> is the clickbait things that are out there on the internet that give you these splash offerings that this is worth X, Y, and Z, right? Um, and then you go in and like you look at it and it's really not. And the, and for our world of toys, um, there's not a toy store in the nation that doesn't fill a weekly Beanie Baby call. There's just okay. not. Everybody fills a phone right. call of, you know, like if you really wanted to mess with someone in that world, you would send everybody to one of your competitors and tell them, this competitor buys Beanie Babies. Like that's what you would do. <laughs> to, like, right? Top dollar paid. <laughs> but we we literally we we tried to dispel that theory twice on Pawn Stars. So once with a, a Princess Diana bear, where the guy came in wanting five grand, and we're like, it's not even worth close to that. And I told him like, even the one you have with all the stuff is like a two dollar and fifty cent bear. Right. Right. And then after that, I went on and did with the Wall Street Journal was in an article about invested in toys and things that people perceive as investments 
and talked specifically about it. And even even in that article said, don't call us and, and ask us to buy your Beanie Babies. We'll literally offer you 10 cents a piece <laughs> if we wanted them, right? Right. That's if we want them. And I literally, I kid you not, that article ran and our phone rang for three straight days of people. I saw you in the article on the, like... <laughs> Will you at least give me the 10 cents? I'll take it. That's serious. Like, it was people, like, seriously, I think I have the valuable one. I think I have, like, and that that's happening in the world where there's so much information that gets pushed out in front of us that before it's actually true, we believe it to be true. Right. I see that happen in the Star Wars world a ton with guys where they'll say that, you know, uh, before someone jumps in that actually is an expert on, especially like the foreign figures right because that's i think that's probably the biggest gray area in the star wars world is that you've got to have guys that are what specialty you know just on specific whether it's lily letty or even something more rare right right and they go in and before they even know what it is they just start putting that out there and then there's a threat of 50 people that believe them and then the guy jumps in who actually knows everything about it. It's like, no, there's not this and this and this and this and this. And you see that happen. I see it happen often. I don't ever comment in it. I don't ever chime in on it. But I sit there and I just watch it. And I just like, you know, we we jump to conclusion so right. quickly. And that, that happens in the marketplace. And that's why, like, you know, a company like CAS with you guys that's great is the fact that, like, you kind of help dispel some of that in the marketplace because there's 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 points and what people will do is they'll take a, a vinyl cape jawa that's carded that you guys have graded and put it up against a raw one and look because right. this one is so they have a way to compare whereas we didn't have that before right we didn't have that ability and so um that's helped that market because things are so in front of us that this right. is what it is and sometimes it's not so that's one of my favorite things about the Facebook groups is I love the experts. I love the people that have dedicated their life to these minute little details. And, you know, you know that there are people you can reach out to. And, you know, and just that, that no, I ended up and I ended up posting, um, this is not, not graded, uh, a Rebo band, uh, for sale, a, a tri logo, you know, and, uh, Matthew from, um, from, uh, France, he messaged me and he's like, yeah, yeah. Met you, but yeah, and I hadn't talked to him since 2014. But he's like, yeah, he goes, you know, that box has an insert for it, and, and that one should have had the insert. He said it was probably, you know, somebody was upgrading it and popped it in there. He said, but that particular one wouldn't have that insert. It's like that's amazing, that's amazing that somebody knows that sort of stuff. But it's great that that sort of information is out there that you can reach out. You have at, the, at your fingertips these experts that you can reach out and touch and not touch, but but talk to about this stuff. And, and it's, I I love that about about these hobbies. Well, I think that's allowed us to be able to trail back and find stuff, especially on, you know, rare stuff. And I know, Ross, you've been involved with buying and selling a bunch of prototypes at one point. And sometimes you've had to do research on finding the people that can give you the information about the prototype before you really know everything about it. And I'll tell you this, and I'll tell you this story without getting too in-depth with it, but I recently recently had a conversation with Steve Sansui specifically on an item that came across my desk as a possibility it's something that's a one of a kind and there's just there's there's not another one out there but it could be knocked off and so we spent some time going back and forth and seeing if the thought really was and the reason being is because steve at least in that world for us is the one guy that i know 
that had seen that item in person before. Okay. So he had seen it. Gonna, <laughs> that was enough for me. Is, right? You're not going to tell us what the item is? Um, I can't right now. I'll to. come you back on to. sometime. When I, I get a ask. chance, I, had I will come back sometime and I will tell you. Um, maybe I would tell you off the record, but if I told you off the record, you'd have to sign an NDA. But Maybe you get a chance to grade it if it's legitimate. Maybe. Well, no, and this is the thing. So maybe. this is exactly what I said, and this was uh, in my assessment on it when I was asked about it, was right. that if I can track down the provenance of this item and I can authenticate it as the authentic real one, and it is, the only way I will do that is if it leaves my hands and goes and gets graded nice. to ensure that there is no chance that this question will come up again. I love the unbroken chain of custody kind of thing. I, I love how right. that works with, with with us with grading because it leaves your hands, you know, and you've done all your provenance. You know, you, you, you've done yeah. all that, that, that work for it, you know, and then it becomes encased and then that gets built into the label. That's I We'll send Chris. Right. We'll send Chris on a flight out to Vegas. He'll come and pick it up. Like I'll do it. I love. I love. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's and that's that's what I would love to. You know, but I think that I think that needs to happen more often, right? This so, stuff that is really rare. Food? Well, I think no. I oh, well, yeah. You need to come. Yeah, door Any to door service. You, Anytime for you. <laughs> but um, no. I what I think is is that I think that. Uh, we need to be taking some of these really rare items and really trying to educate the holders of them that even if they don't think they need to have it graded to be in their collection to protect the integrity of that item long term because we're not all going to be here forever right right the way to do that is to get it graded to get it authenticated to make sure that it is and that there is that information on it because See, um, I think I think once we're done with this podcast, you should go out and pass that message on that more items need to be graded. I'm with you 100%. Well, no, 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 and I agree. No. Carry that message forward. You have our support. I, I am you not only a huge proponent of that. I, yeah. I I told you guys, um, and you know, Chris and I had a conversation off camera a while back in regards to the sports toys, and I talked to you guys briefly about some stuff. Like I submitted some stuff recently that's on its way back. Um, because I'm getting ahead of the game on it and I'm going to make sure that myself and a few people that have some investments out there that we're doing some things. So actually right now, and this is something we talked about and maybe we can make this work and maybe this is another podcast for you guys. Um, I have access to some 88 bowls, basketball sealed cases of starting lineups. That's awesome. And there's just not many high graded Jordans out there. Yeah. Well, there's six Jordans in that case. That's awesome. So I would love the opportunity. And what I'm trying to work out is the opportunity for us to actually take, crack that case open, show everybody it on a live or on a podcast, like with you guys, send it, have you guys grade it, and then bring those items back and reveal them again right. that same way. And for because, audience members too, that's the only way CAS will ever give a U grade too is out of a sealed case. So it's the uncircuit be out of a, from a, from a, a factory sealed case. So that you know, not only even if it doesn't grade high, that grade qualifier would be would be special in and of itself. And so I just think that um, I think that 
this this type stuff when you when you have an access to something like that like it just doesn't exist like you know i there's there's items out there that i just i know that are are just incredibly rare hard to find conditions just don't exist and the world of sports and especially with the sports grading stuff i'm getting into kind of driving the bus there because i think that right now the next thing in the sports card world to go is going to be the sports figures and it's because guys are doing exactly what they did with star wars they're starting to run out of those things that are in their focus and if you're a montana collector since we mentioned montana earlier right the next thing is is to go out and start getting all the montanas from the different sports lines well if you're going to do that you're going to start looking at mint ones and wanting that because you're a sports card collector and, and in that world grading. grading is rampant right. so i might as well get it graded so i think that that's where we're going with it i think that um uh the, the people were really sitting on some opportunities and have some stuff you know 88 football 88 basketball some of the uh the mid 90s um baseball stuff that like was seemed to be high ram but they would like low pop certain figures um that is going to be a big thing and then they started doing like box sets like i i wanted to, i think of that like just down the road in a grading standpoint and it's it's not gonna like you literally probably can buy these for like 15 bucks and it's a Gretzky, I think it's a Gretzky Messier one-on-one hockey, like two-pack. Right. But it's got this big giant blister window. Mm-hmm. And the the blister is so thin. So and like, paper you just thin. Yeah, touch I it. Yeah. Those. Yep. And they went right. So I just, stuff like that, you get down the road, that stuff is not going to be around. That stuff is not going to be available. And it's just not going to be in the world of grading. And when the sports cards guys get into this and they all catch on, and I think they're catching on quickly. I think it's happening now. I know you guys, um, when we talked, uh, when I talked to Ken, Ken was telling me that sports submissions were up, right? Right. He had said they were up. And I'm like, there's no doubt in my mind that this is the next thing in the world of grading with toys to go. And you can either be ahead of the game on it now, or you could be chasing it down the road. Right. And you're chasing two or three years more of stuff that's been touched, bent, you know what I mean? So good opportunity for it. I think it's the time and the sports collector understands it. So from an investment standpoint, I've been starting to steer guys out. And I, I graded some weird stuff. I graded um, Joe Montana uh, freeze frame has three figures in it. It's a box set with a big blister window. I graded a Jeter like that. I graded a um, slam dunk mail away Shaquille O'Neal that came in this blind box shipper but I had you guys actually build it in the case. That's awesome. So it got graded from the shipper, never removed from the shipper, but you guys pulled it out, assembled it, graded it, and it got graded. Um, and then I graded some Kobe's because you can't of course. not grade Kobe. If you're going to grade Jordan stuff, you better grade Kobe stuff. So, um, you know, that was some of the stuff that I sent. But people have that sitting in their houses. That's yeah. stuff they could submit to you guys right now. And the sports collector understands it. Yeah, I even I have sitting there now. I have a, um, a Jose Canseco, I, you know, '80s baseball, right? I have a Jose Canseco uh, starting lineup with the card that he came with, but also I put in a pack pulled autograph card in there. You know, I love the idea of being able to mix, you know, media a little bit. You know, so yeah, yeah, people do that with like, you know, there's a lot of Hall of Famers in there. You said Jeter, Nolan Ryan, Mike Schmidt. You know, there's a lot of those, you know, those people that that were in the '80s that, 
you know, are out there and you can you, you can still do that. All a lot of the you know, maybe not all the greatest of all time, but some of your your big name players still exist and starting lineups for that McFarland stuff. Well, and there's certain certain versions of some of the McFarland stuff I think is gonna be some of the big stuff too, because you've got chases. Yeah. You have from when they changed from the cardboard back to the clamshell, then back to the cardboard back. You have a new company. It's actually not a new company. So it's a company that actually tooled all of the stuff for McFarlane. Uh, uh, Dragon, uh, Import Dragon, that is you doing an NFL yep. line. Yeah. And uh, their line is incredible. Um, Series 1, I think, is just starting to hit. Um, and it has, like, Pat Mahomes and has Herbert in it and uh, uh, Jones from uh, uh, Green Bay. And, you know, it's it's got a good variety of, of players. Um, that, that stuff, I think, also is going to have – you know, that same, the same opportunity, because I think the modern sure. collector is going to get back into that. Sure. So, you know, it's a good time for that stuff. And then on top of the fact that if you've got stuff that is not in good condition, but they are those premium players, you have cards in there. Right. And you have the toy and what better thing to do than to get those loose graded toys in mint condition and those cards in nice condition yep. graded and yep. put out, you know, there. And on top of it, most of the guys that buy this stuff in the sports world, they want to display it anyways. I mean, this, you know, the other Man collectors do, things. but sure. how many Star Wars collectors have bins of stuff that are stashed away? You told me you've got a box in your attic, right? Yeah. Like these sports guys, they want to display it with their stuff and, and the, the, these sports figures. What a great opportunity to have a, a beautiful case, have it display it nicely. And then, of course, for them, chase that investment value, the right. high grade toys. Right. So. so let's talk about really quick. So, because we, we've already gone over an hour and, uh, you know, I can tell <laughs> but Ross is getting like, like move along. Uh, <laughs> so um, let's talk about <laughs> where. didn't say anything. <laughs> I can, I can read your face. <laughs> but so let's talk about where you are now because you have some really exciting things going on, right? I was in Vegas recently and saw you, right? So, yeah. So, about three years ago, it was actually okay. It started Star Wars Celebration 19. It's actually where this started. Okay. Um, my business partner, Rob Radcliffe, um, at the time, uh, went around the show to vendors that we knew and started saying, Are you going to do Steve's show? And he just walked around the show telling people, are you going to do his show? Are you going to come and vend at his show? Are you going to do it? And he talked a show into existence. I was nice. really against it. And um, we started putting started putting a show together that we produced, um, which was Unicon. And the concept behind it was Fandoms United. And it was to get all of the fandoms together in one location. So you had comics, toys, games, pop culture, food trucks, sports, cosplay, all in one concept. And although I don't want to say that's 100% original, I don't think you've seen too many people really try to tackle it from the forefront of saying, we have 35 pop culture signers and 35 sports signers. Like, no one's really done that at a show like this. And so right. um, so we did it. We tackled it. Um, the show itself went really well. I felt that attendees who came really enjoyed the show. Um, just like any first-year shows, you've got growing pains, and and you always wish that you had more people, and you always, you know, those things. And we really went all out. We went two hundred thousand square feet. You were yeah. there. You saw was, how it was amazing. It really was. <laughs> Th we there was a lot to love said, about that show. Someone said that it took them an hour 
to just walk the floor nonstop without stopping. Yeah. It took them an hour just to, I mean, and so that to me was cool. Um, We had a lot of really great things. Our guests were amazing. Um, We had some really, really neat things put together. We put a party wagon together package that had all four of the original Ninja Turtle voices, um, April O'Neil. And then we had Pat Fraley who played uh, Krang and uh, Casey Jones. So we kind of had like all your heroes there. Um, And we did this really unique thing with programming where our stage programming wasn't like a standard like Q&A panel. Instead, I brought local news guys out to do interviews, like stage interviews, kind of like talk show style on the main stage, um, and then intermix the Q&A in from time to time. Um, We did the first ever uh, uh, panel with, um, it was Jim Cummings, April Winchell, and Rob Paulson, and it was the first Goof Troop panel that they had done. Rob Paulson wanted to do a Goof Troop panel. Nice. Um, and gave them an opportunity to do something that was really unique and different. And um, I think we found we found a show that people can get behind and really enjoy um, that's unique, that's different, that is for everybody, that Funko Pop concept that mom, dad, yeah. kids can buy. That, well, mom, dad, kids can all find stuff. We had video games, um, we had gaming tournaments, we had table game turn TCG tournaments. Uh, we had Chumley from Palm Stars actually yep. came out and played. Um, and a Pokemon tournament on Friday night and he had a chance to knock chum out and there was a bounty on him and, and all this <laughs> stuff. Um, you know, we were able to put together a, a concept there. So, so we have a uh, Unicon. So that's one concept and one thing that uh, I'm involved with and in doing Two, I'm in the midst of rebuilding um, my toy expert website to be able to offer uh, a little bit more, insight services for people or to be able to offer myself available for appearances or even coming out. And, um, I've had a couple people like reach out to me that want to do kind of like antique roadshow style things where they want to give people say you're doing a convention that's Saturday, Sunday, Friday night, I might come out to their ballroom and people might bring their items down and we do a little evaluation and stuff like that. And then it might be sponsored by someone who, then goes off the side and might do a deal with them and buy it from them. Right. right. Um, so we've talked about doing some of that. So I have that going on and then um, getting involved in the sports card world. I mean, that's, that's where I started. I was 14 and worked in a card shop and I worked nice. for trade <laughs> and uh, I would trade for all the most expensive sports cards in the, in the place. And well, like uh, so Jeffrey getting involved. And the, you know, yeah. Well, that's a <laughs> Matt Noakes. <laughs> we were, <laughs> Man, the one that really killed you was Greg Jeffries. Yeah, eighty-nine top baseball. I killed yes. a lot of people. Killed a lot of people. <laughs> I think that's that was that. to get his start in a in a trading card shop. I think Joe Curcio, I recall, one of our other guests got his start in a trading card uh, uh, shop. That's interesting. That's That'd interesting. be so much. Yeah, well, I started yeah. where you know. So what I did is I, I started at fourteen and I, I worked yeah. on trade. I worked at La Mesa Sports Cards in La Mesa, California. I rode my bike. It was a two-mile ride. Um, I lived in Santee, which was right on the border of Lakeside and I would ride my bike in and I came up with all these concepts. We did like board game nights where we played board games and you had to ante up cards to, and the winner took the pot and then I'd take them kids to go play home run derby. And I, there was always stuff I could beat everybody in and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, always, you know, way towards the house. Um, but, uh, I started doing that. And then when I turned 15, across the freeway from where I lived was the Santee swap meet. So 
I decided, you know, it was, I think it was $15 and you went out there and you get your table and two chairs. Um, and I started going out and selling the cards that I had been working for and getting on trade. And I started making money. And right. so I was 15. I walked around with a thousand dollars in my pocket all the time. Wow. Because I was selling all these cards that I had. And then that spilled over into Hot Wheels. And then that's when it really took off for me because I caught that beginning Hot Wheels craze of the treasure hunts. Yeah. Like the first three treasure hunts came out. And you got to remember, this is 95. So you don't have the internet and you don't have all this information out there. It took three months for news to cycle the nation that Hot Wheels had this national release that they were doing in these limited editions. And well, those first three cars, if you got in on them, one of them was the... 67 Camaro and I was ahead of the game on that and I stayed ahead of the game I was ahead of the game when JC Penney's put out the the sets of them and so I wiped out all the JC Penney's in my area and I had stacks <laughs> of those sets and, you know before the the wish book came out you know right um very you know, entrepreneurial <laughs> yeah and so but I did that young you know and that that was kind of how that happened but uh the sports card world, I, you know, being back in it, um, game day sports cards in Las Vegas. And, uh, you know, I'm appreciative of getting involved with them because um, what they've built over there and what they're doing is a, is a really unique thing. They, they started in the world of doing card breaks and uh, went to the store concept. And the store is uh, the store is really unique. There's a poker table in it and they'll do some poker nights. Um TVs everywhere. You can come in, get your box of cards, come sit down at the table, open your cards, watch sports, talk sports with everybody. They have a batting cage in the back. Um, they have right. some local teams that come in and and uh, you know use that as a practice facility, or if the guys just want to go have some fun. And um, an incredible concept. They ship amazing. I mean, it's down. They, they've got things down to a T. And Jimmy and 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 the crew there have really put together a. A, a good amount of stuff and so to get involved with them is is really exciting and so doing that and then uh just kind of uh starting to step the the the, the world of of what i'm doing you know from the standpoint of with pawn stars and and our world of toys is really kind of engage that a lot more and um so i'm starting to do a a thing on tiktok it's just started so i don't have much followers on there but it's just the toy expert so go follow me on tiktok but um nice uh going out to like yard sales and um, you guys familiar with Gary V? I would hope you guys are. The car collector, the guy that bought the Mike yeah. Trotter key? Yeah. yeah. So Gary, um, Gary's really big in about like you reinvesting into yourself. And I, 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 I appreciate that heavily because I've always had that concept. So I started going around and I'm hitting yard sales and just kind of picking up some things. And sometimes it's not what you expect it to be. Obviously, looking for you know any of the cool toys or you know any any sports cards or you know antique or retro stuff that that really stands out. But there there's things that you can find, and and I've had an opportunity to find some unique things and and done some unique things uh, that have happened in the past. So I started to kind of chronicalize that now. And um, one as weird as this is was I went to a yard sale and for five bucks I bought a brand new Epson travel printer like a mobile printer okay right? well it was brand new on open and the lady's like i got it as a gift and never whatever right well our world i mean you know especially like someone like myself i'm doing evaluation or something like that that could be invaluable right because i've got a right. print you know in the car um it's a 350 printer i paid her five dollars for it ah. it's still 350 dollars. yeah brand new 
Because wow. you don't realize like the, the stuff's still out there that people still don't know. As much as we know about what's going on, we don't know. I've seen where I've walked in and there was a comic book story that I have where Lethal Protector number one, which is that first Venom book on his own, um, had a cover error. And I found one at a yard sale and I paid like two bucks for it and got it graded and I got it signed by Mark Bagley. And it sold for a lot of money. And that stuff's out there. So I'm kind of kind of doing that as well. So that's kind of what cool. I have going on. So Unicon and you're at, um, you, and you're doing the, the sports card thing. And, and, and then people can find you on your website for your, your, your toy expert website that you're building. Yeah, exactly. And then go to the toyexpert.net and come, come check yeah, it out. And it's gonna go on TikTok. I'm going to go on TikTok just to follow you. I, I see my yes, kids on TikTok do. all the time. I'm gonna go yeah. on. I'm gonna create a TikTok account just to follow you. And there's a rabbit hole there. I hate to tell you this, just so you know now. <laughs> so if you notice, Facebook has started to put reels on your Facebook feed. Yeah, to yeah. Show you like little TikTok previews. Well, they're even they're even taking the people that go to TikTok and post TikToks and share to their Facebook. They're pushing them to those reels. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'll have the little TikTok logo down in the corner. <laughs> I'm gonna follow you on TikTok, but yeah, awesome. Where, so you, you, you got all the places where you can follow Steve? Yeah, so, so um, where else? Where else oh, go ahead. Yo, yo, so, yeah, give a, a really quick recap of where people yeah. can find you now, today. Yeah, so you can find me on um, Instagram, The Toy Expert. You can find me on TikTok, The Toy Expert. And uh, you can go to thetoyexpert.net. And that site's being revamped right now, and we'll have some more. We're trying to – one of the things I want to do is I, I want to get all of my appearances up there for people to be able to go see. Um, there's a handful of them now, um, good chunk of them, but um, there's probably about 40 appearances missing. So, um, you know, and just uh, again, you know, uh, I'm always, always interested to see what people have and, and they have out there and, you know, encouraging people. And I'll tell people here, not just because I'm in front of you guys, because I do it anyways, um, which is if you've got a toy that you think is worth the investment, get it graded because agree. you want to protect your investment, you know? You're, you're he's the toy expert. Who's to argue with? The yeah, toy exactly, expert? exactly. <laughs> no one, no one should do that. Everyone well, cool. listens to you. <laughs> well, that will take us to the end of our guest spotlight, and next is going to be uh, Investors Corner, the top ten uh, eBay toy sales for October, and uh, so. Thank you, Steve. And if you want to join us for that, we would appreciate you to do so. And if not, uh, we do appreciate that you were uh, here for this segment. It was awesome having you. Yeah, Thank I'd you. love to check it out. I, I'm interested to see what you guys have trending there. So cool, awesome. awesome. Well, then we'll see you. We'll see you, see in you that, there. That segment. <laughs> All right. Hi. All right. Here we are in Investors Corner. Investors Corner is the segment of the show where we look at some of the top toy sales for the month previous, so in this case, the month of October, um, to kind of get people an idea of the investment side of collecting and to kind of get an idea of what some of these higher-end things sell for, some of the grail pieces that we may or may not have. Um, so today we're doing a top 10 list, um, starting with, uh, well, from 10 being the, the lowest all the way up to the first one. So without further ado, I'm going to get started with number 10 is uh, one we haven't seen before uh, from a really popular toy line. It is the Playmates Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, Undercover Leonardo, um, 97 back, 
made in 1994. It was graded a 75 plus and sold as a buy it now for $5,999. Now I've never seen this one carded in person. I've seen a couple of loose ones. This is a tough one to get. We've, we've graded, we've graded more than a few of the undercover figures. Um, so I've seen those come through, but yeah, I mean, they're pretty rare. I, I would have never guessed that they were that they would go for that value. I'd think a couple thousand bucks, two, three thousand, not fifty seven hundred. That's whoo. Well, you have that line was so late that right, the distribution right. on that was non existent. In fact, I want to say that KB was closing stores then. Right. So you literally had stores being closed in one of the biggest distributors out there, and then a line that just wasn't living anymore. And yeah, yeah. So I mean, and, and I've, ironically, I guess I've I've gotten a lot more familiar with turtles because I, I took in a rather big, a, a rather large um, submission recently, but like so, this is a '97 back. How, how many? I mean, we're in that. That had to have been really, because that's a ton. And and when you're saying '97 back, you know, Star Wars is a '92 back, but you know, you're talking about like a lot of. Can't help it. There There's a lot say, of <laughs> every time Doctor Star Wars takes it back to Star Wars. Well, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, like you think you're wearing a Star Wars shirt, Chris. Thanks. See, in case that, people didn't realize. In case people don't realize that I'm a Star Wars fan. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I'm learning a lot. But Dr. when it comes to when it comes to turtles, it wasn't like there was just like only eight eight or ten different versions of Leonardo. There were like alligators and there were king lions and they were all it was a very well sculpted, a very diverse line. They also well, went I mean, all out did... with like cross licensing, right? They had like they would cross license with Star right. Trek yeah. or like you know NBA, any of that stuff, right? Yeah. 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 And they did the all the way back to the prehistoric times. I mean put them in yeah. any type of like worker job that they could. Fire right. Leo, like <laughs> you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So that was definitely an eclectic line, and one that I mean, and there are, you know, for people that are entry level turtle collectors, there are things you can get into vintage, you know, from the, the early '90s, late '80s, you know, fifty, sixty dollar range. But then there are, in fact, this is not spoiler alert, not the last turtles we're gonna see in this top ten, and uh, this last series definitely has a bunch of uh, high end items for sure. Yeah. Um, the next one is one that. You know, it'd be cool to see in person um, just because, you know, graded. I, Brendan one time used a, um, used a phrase for some of these large items, a uh, coffee table. Um, so <laughs> it's a, a Mattel Masters of the Universe, uh, 1983, 12-back Castle Grayskull, graded 75 and sold for a buy now also for um, $5,999. And that is one big piece. One, a, lot of, a lot of acrylic. Yes. Out of the curly. I took in, <laughs> so speaking of what you were saying about the Turtles uh, uh, collection you took in, for a dealer customer, first time trying to get him to submit a lot, had a bunch of box, big box stuff, box Castle Grace called Box Sprite Zone, Box Eternia. Whoa. Right? And so I went and actually boxed all this stuff for this guy and sent it down. There is not a box. I mean, the, the Grace Call, you can actually get in a box, but an Eternia, we had to make like a custom box. 28-inch cube, huge. Oh thing. my goodness! But, but the but the grayskull itself is a big. That's a big item, um, and you know, again, it so amazes me that I, a playset like that could go sealed, could stay sealed that long for I mean, forty just, years. Yeah, it's just so amazing to me. 
I mean, who well. kept that stuff that nice? I mean, I can't keep things from. I have to get stuff graded, or it will get damaged. Right. I, I, how would you keep that for forty years to keep it that nice? To me, that actually seems like decent value. Six grand. Yeah, I, w- I would pay it if I collected box items. I would pay that for that. That's well, a- I think that you know when you you talk about an item like that, and specifically the conditions are so hard to so hard to keep those boxes in mint condition but you know to answer your question i think is that how does some of these end up that way um i mean you have kids you understand you stash stuff away and sometimes you forget and yeah. that's where some of this stuff comes from yeah is it was stashed away and forgotten yeah yeah and- all right so uh number eight on the list is a doozy because of the grade. I mean, like, this is an awesome piece anyways, but uh, a Kenner Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, 1982, four back, Indiana Jones, graded a 90. I mean, so you, you people talk about grades, and, and, and in the toy toy grading world, an 85 is, is awesome. A 90 is almost unheard of. This thing is unpunched, no price sticker, crystal clear bubble this is probably like the best one in the world right and it was listed at 10 grand and it sold for six thousand. and yee so what's what's an 80 um in you go for like 1500 two grand maybe 1500 maybe, maybe even more because that was kind of it's that's kind of the middle grade on it right that's kind of like the benchmark grade for it is an 80 whereas it's not an 85 for it right. like 85s yeah. are you don't find them so yeah, but my, my point is that, you know, kind of what you're saying about the card grade and how the values can go up significantly. That's a significant yeah. difference in value between an 80, 85, and a 90 for that for that indie. Um, so maybe on some of the key pieces, we are seeing that appreciation in, in value based on significantly high grades on certain items and toys. You know what I think, too, might be one of those things. And as, you know, you guys and, and other companies have, major population reports a little easier to see and to get to is that the educated knowledge of what is exactly out there. Cause like when we talked about, you know, Joe Montana earlier, you're talking about, you know, three, four, five of them in the world. Right. Right. That drives that market tremendously. So you could be looking at the same thing. Yourself. Yeah. Well, you can look at something and say it's a one of one, you know, all of a sudden the, the ability to sell that, you know, you are, you set the market for that, that, that item. Well, here, guys. Here you go. So I just uh, quick search. So I don't. This is not uh, four back. I guess it's 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 the nine back. The next the nine one. back's harder to find. Yeah. So AFA eighty uh, sold. It was an auction, forty five bids, uh, just over thirty three hundred bucks. Oh wow, an eighty. Yeah. But and yeah, then, expected it was that high. Indiana Jones stuff has actually really spiked. It, Even the it really stuff. has. The yeah. loose stuff is actually, and, and in the loose market, I, I actually think you see even a bigger discrepancy on some of the stuff because I think that there's some figures that there's just way less. An awesome piece. I mean, just it's 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 amazing to look at that. Um, so the next one on the list um, is a Mattel Masters of the Universe 1982 um, eight back Man at Arms uh, with a clear bubble, uh, no warranty. It was uh, graded in 80 and sold for a best offer of $6,500. An eight-back clear bubble is pretty dang sweet. And two things with this one. I went I went and actually looked at this post. Um, so you remember uh, we had talked about the red dot, right? The red dot on Man-at-Arms. This happens yeah. to be mm-hmm. one of those, so one of the rarer earlier versions. And this is actually a test market card. So uh, on the back, even though it's no warranty, 
uh, the no taglines or SKU numbers. So this this is actual the uh, test market men in arms. So even okay. More. So that so really does more sort of why would go that high then? Yeah, and that's what I was gonna say because you're not generally seeing men in arms, you know, supersede He Man in that back configuration with a no warranty in the eight. Well, yeah, if it was a no warranty clear bubble He Man, that'd probably be fifteen thousand dollar piece. Easily, we yeah. you've definitely you've seen a lot of post. Ten or you know, past ten thousand dollar prices for He Man and Skeletor high high grade eight backs. So you know you're seeing a lot of those eight backs really creep up. I mean they're they're and then every then, month every month we do this one or two appears on the top ten. Yeah, yeah. Every month, it's yeah. a huge collector market, and they keep teasing it and giving more information, and the more things are going to happen. And obviously the Kevin Smith thing. Uh, may not have been received in the collector market as well as you had hoped, but I will tell you this, it definitely kept the buzz and the, you know, revitalized the line. So it's hard to keep us fanboys happy. I'll tell you what. (laughs) (laughs) We're so Star Wars, bring it back to Star Wars. Star Wars to have continued things out there to keep the line going. He-Man Master of the Universe doesn't really have that other than the Kevin Smith thing. Right. Um, And it's still going strong. I mean, there's a, I'm in some of those Facebook groups. There's a lot of very active people in that community. Yeah. So, well, and you think variations in Star Wars is a big deal? Get into the variation world of Masters of the Universe. Oh yeah. I mean, the discrepancies between just some of the variations that are even considered a little bit more basic are tremendously different in price. Yeah, we had yep. uh, Josh Van Pelt was on the podcast not too long ago, and he's working on a book, and he sent me <clears throat> a picture of several. Like probably twenty different um, crotch variations for He-Man, <laughs> and the fact that there are people that are Chris, out there. Chris has a crotch variation collection. That's my focus. It's He's yeah, a crotch, it's a turn focus, right. He's a crotch focus collector. <laughs> I'm just gonna leave that there. I'm just gonna leave that there. Family <laughs> show, guys. Yeah. I'm just gonna leave it there. Not even get into it. Family yeah. show. <laughs> But it's true. It is true that I, he sends me this. I'm like, who spends I mean, photographing, documenting? You know, it's like, wow. I, I, I love our it, world. Chris. Stop, stop pretending it's weird. You loved it. I love, I love you our love world. It. Are you kidding yeah. me? I love yeah. our world. I love the fact that there are people out there <laughs> that know it to that point. It's like, well, I was looking at the crotch on He Man, and I'm going to tell you one thing I noticed. It's like. Wow. You got a lot uh, of editing ahead of you, Anthony. <laughs> I just want to see how long we'll talk about crotches. Let's see. <laughs> Moving on, seeing as how I'm being <clears throat> being being pushed pushing Anthony into editing. Um, we have our next uh Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle piece. Um this one uh isn't is a later of a, a late of an edition but a very very expensive one so it's the playmates teenage mutant ninja turtle 51 back scratch who is a cat um this is not graded and sold for it was uh it was up for sale for nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars and sold as a best offer for seven thousand five hundred this is i think the third one we've had on here and all three are not graded so all of you people that are sitting on these ungraded scratches i know a grading company that you might want to look into do do we know what the prices of this one relative to the other ones yeah there was one in april it was a 55 back so slightly later uh not graded as uh chris Uh said five thousand 
in an open auction. Uh, and then the other one was that uh, lot of two. Remember, it was a scratch and a hot right, spot. Right, that was a really right. good deal. Both of them ungraded. Buy it now. Went for five grand. That was wow. back. In, that was back in February. Yeah, and then you even even uh, showed a you know a spread of what they would sell for separately, and um, that was a that was a great deal. Two of them yeah. for five grand. Yeah. Cool. This this toy is. That's crazy. Go ahead. Sorry, this go ahead. toy to me is. This is that white elephant to me because every time, and I kid you not, years, if someone, even a loose one, had a loose scratch or had a scratch for some reason or another, it never was made available to purchase. And anytime one would come up in the market and I'd be like, oh, cool, and I go out and try to buy it, suddenly I'd have a deal. I'd pay people. Oh, no. And then. I'd get refunded and something happened and they didn't sell. Like literally this toy has been that like Achilles heel has definitely just avoided me like the plague. So when I see this on your list, I'm just like, you know what? It's just cause I'm on the podcast. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> well, so now this being not, you know, numbers wise. So I counted 53. So maybe it was 55. Cause you know, they have, they don't have them all numbers like, like they do on star Wars. Um, so, do we know why Not this is so exactly you notice that but do we know why this one was like so like what was about this this wasn't late in the line so surprisingly have... this was actually really late in the line okay so, they just have yeah. different backs okay yeah what they did is they had they had like different back editions didn't include all of the figures if that makes sense gotcha gotcha so there might be 300 and something different ninja turtle figures but the back itself only represented a handful of characters. Gotcha. Right. Whereas okay. Star Wars taught us that we had to collect them all and mark them off because this is everything that's available. Right. They actually would like lot them together with things that worked and made sense or, or, or whatever. Um, two, when this came out, Scratch wasn't a character in the cartoon. He's actually from the video game. Okay. Oh. So, that was his appearance. So you knew nothing about scratch. There was no information. He wasn't a character. He wasn't anything you knew. So you're like, what is this? So to some kids, that's kind of where he was at. And then the third thing is you don't see a lot about scratch. Cause usually we see a lot about loose figures, but his accessories were so easy to lose. Okay. That you don't see a lot of complete ones out there. So if you want a complete one, you're buying a carded one. Okay. And that really pushes the marketplace too. It's sort of yeah, that's well, and, and that's cool. So I, I guess I didn't know that. that I, I figured that the backs were sort of concurrent, and that's very. So that's why that's why I have a toy expert on. So yeah. they're very kind of all over the place. That, the playmates did that a lot with everything they did. <laughs> so <laughs> see, I just I needed I needed the structure of Star Wars, and that's why it works for me. Because Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles all candy wampus. Nobody knows what's going on with that stuff. <laughs> so, all over the place. So. All right, number five, and I, I love this one, and we'll, we'll get into it, but um, it's a Mattel WWE uh, 2010 Elite Series 1, Jeff Hardy. Um, it's an unproduced mint on card. It's ungraded. Um, it sold for a buy it now. Um, it was listed in, in uh, Canadian dollars at 10000 and it sold for 
Canadian dollar, 10,000, which uh, translates to $7,985. And the person in the description mentioned that he had bought this at, um, at a toy show years ago. And I, and I love that because, you know, sometimes, you know, you see, oh, this is, they never made this. And he probably got it for a song or probably paid what was quite a bit of money for it back then. But now, you know, it, it's worth tons because it was never released and he picked it up probably thinking, you know, it's cool to have something that's not out there and, and it's just appreciated value because now people really have an appreciation for these unproduced items. Um, so the next one on the list, um, is a Mattel Masters of the Universe um, 1983 12-back, so not an 8-back, so 12-back um, He-Man with a clear bubble. Um, it was graded 85, and it was it, it was a straight 85. Um, it was up for sale for 15000 and sold for $8,750, um, which, boy, I, I would be afraid to make that offer for $8,750. That's almost a half-price offer, but this thing is stunning, and to be straight 85s in a clear bubble, He-Man is just gorgeous. So so I actually have this piece as well. It's a CS80. Um, so you know, not as not as good of a condition as this the straight 85. Um, but I, I'm surprised to see that get that high for a 12 back. Because it's it's not as hard to get a clear back, clear bubble 12 back as it is a clear bubble eight back. Right. Um and I think I paid a thousand bucks ungraded for mine four or five years ago. And again, that's a, that's a significant period of time. I'll give uh, you twelve hundred for it right now. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm trust me, I'm thrilled to see that. It makes <laughs> maybe worth four or five grand now if I wanted to sell it. Yeah, I could monitor it. But, well, you know. go, going back to Star Wars, yeah. um, you see, you see a lot of this, a lot of this stuff when, when you get the eight backs that are priced out of the range. People are going for the twelves. With Star Wars, you the twelve get backs price on the range. You people are are picking up, you know, twenty one backs, forty one yeah. backs. Yeah. So you know, if you can't, you know, because uh, in this condition, straight eighty fives. I mean, you know, you're looking at <clears throat> the fifteen thousand probably easily for a twelve for an eight back. You know, so and, and good luck finding a clear eight back like that. Right. Yeah. yeah. We we had a uh, we had an eight back in March. It was an eighty though, and it was a yeah. G it was a G two card. Buy it now, eight grand. So. It was uh, the later of the eight backs in G2? eighty. G2? So that was a, a, a that was a, a term that um, Josh Generation Two was. Um, that's the oh, card. Right, that, right, right. That's, it's got the it's got the warranty on it. Right, right, yeah. right, right. You guys paid better attention than I did. That's good. Well, well I edited, edited the video. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'll tell you too that um, something on this that might push that price a little bit in the in the, in the collector realm is that there are guys that now are just chasing straight grades. They only want all 85s, only want all 80, whatever it is. Yeah. And so you have a, you have someone that's willing to pay maybe a little bit more here because this might be the only chance they have to own that straight right. 85. Yeah. So that also has to come into play here. Yeah, I hear that phrase occasionally, like uh, trip 85s, right? So to make sure it's all three, yeah. which is crazy because like, you know, oh man, the car got a 90. Oh, well, I can't buy it now. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, so this uh, number three, what we'll have a little bit to talk about because this is definitely a market that that's flexing. Um, it's a Kenner Star Wars 12-back Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, skew footer, graded an 85 with an 80 sub, um, and sold for a buy it now of $9,999. And I'll tell you, 12-back A's are on friggin' fire right now. All down the line, you know, um, 
you're seeing these abacs that are that have just pulled away from the pack from the the B's and C's, and that's I mean you know Anthony you're you're um you're an Obi Wan collector what, yeah. what is your uh... actually I just pulled up um my the like I have a, a skew footer Ben Kenobi, um it would never grade what is this an eighty five, yeah. um I just looked up the the po- like when I bought it I bought it in two thousand seventeen. And the one I have, it's a 12A, obviously the skew footer, um, but the the uh, proof of purchase is gone. It's lifted. It's not a full thickness uh, defect in the card. Um, right. I bought it in 2017 for uh, $680, uh, ungraded. Um, so just to give you some perspective, I thought that was actually a, a decent deal at the time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. not a bad deal. I wonder what the value on that would be today with uh, Chris's statement about the hotness. The heat, the heat, the hotness, heat. It's just, it's amazing how 12 X, 12 A's have pulled away. I mean, like, cause from the front, they're identical unless it's a skew footer, right? Yeah. You know, and it's the rookie card is the rookie card, right? Bring it, yeah, bring rookie it back. Card. Card. But, it, but it's not, but it's card. not, if you watch, so I did a video on uh, five facts on 12 backs and there's mm-hmm. not, cause there would be a, uh, there'd be an Obi-Wan, I believe. Maybe he doesn't have a white footer, but he does have a DT. He does have a white footer. He has a white footer. Does, does he yeah. have a white footer? Okay. Guess who doesn't have one of those? This guy. Hey. Yeah. That's a tough I mean, one. Not, not, not going to happen. Not going to happen. I've had um, two in my entire career. Two DTs or two white footers? Toys. Two white footers. Okay. And both Two Obi-Wan? Both been Leia's. Okay. And even so, with, with the white footers, aren't there both uh, Hong Kong and Taiwan for certain figures? I yep. should know this yeah. off the top of my head. I think yeah. Kenobi might be one of the ones that has two. I think the Hong Kong Chewy is pretty hard. Is. To... Chewy is. Yeah, I think the DT Saber figures were were made in, I believe, Taiwan, and the Hong Kong ones were not DT. Okay. So it's crazy, and I did touch on it in the video, but like a complete set of 12-backs for the the people that are the, the high dollar collectors it's like like 120 figures it's crazy so i mean you're looking at, at about an average of 10 variations and no because you know you have like the um the 1232s can appear on any back so you know theoretically you know it's almost a permutation of that you know if you really want to get crazy with some of those so, all right, number two on the list is actually a really, really cool one. Something we don't see a lot of very often is a um, Hasbro GI Joe. It's a 1968. It's an action pilot air sea rescue set. So no figure at all. This is just accessories, right? So it's not graded, but it's complete with the box. And then the the seller mentions of some extra pieces. Um, and it's sold in an open auction for um, Canadian uh, $14,100, which is American $11,285. Yeah, this is a piece. Talk about a CAS, something that would be right in our wheelhouse. Because, you know, the person that bought this is probably going to keep everything just kind of in the box on a shelf. And this thing, the colors... Are so 1960s. You know, it's just it's beautiful. It's rare. It's cool, and and we don't see a lot of the vintage, vintage GI Joes, the 60 GI Joe stuff. You know, on on our high roller stuff that often. Yeah, I'm not. Well, that market shifted. Yeah, Yeah, that market shifted a lot because you had a you had a bunch of figures that um, you started to realize there was a lot of bodies out there, a lot of lot of actual figures. Um, and I think that having the online marketplaces the way we did, we really started to realize that there was a lot more available than people thought. Okay. Um, 
one of the unique things about this one in particular um, that I think is really cool is the fact that this was one of the outfit sets that came in multiple boxes. So you had where I think Hasbro realized that they needed to be a little bit more like if you look at the lid on this, right? Like mm -hmm. the lid is cool and it kind of gives you a, a, a nice look, right? But it doesn't necessarily really impact you with what you're getting. And if you're a kid, and so I'm guessing this is total speculation that Hasbro realized we need to make this more visible like Barbie did, where they put all their outfit on a, you know, where you could see it. Like the yeah, actual they outfit blister packed them right for a while. And so they kind of created like a blister pack um, that was like a, almost like a fold-over box um, that had like the pilot on the side of the artwork. And then you actually have the outfit in it. So you okay. can see it more. Um, so because of that, it's almost like this was produced and then they changed it. And I think there was one other outfit that was like that too. Cause some of the accessories in this are very common. Okay. Which is but, what's unique here, you know, but the box and, and, and the, the piece in it, it's total and it's whole self is not so much. And everything is there. Right. Cause you can see there's a lots of little things that could easily be missing from that. Right. And the other, the other thing I would argue on GI Joe is that for a while on the 12 inch Joe's, the reason why you didn't see elevation in the marketplace was because they refused to go online. That collector refused to really? run the online gig because a lot of those guys, if you think about it, their age was not falling along with the technical trend. My father is an example of that where okay, he's one of those guys that just refused to learn technology, right? <laughs> so now the market has come back on it and it's fallen back because guys realize how much was out there. When you weren't connected to find out how much there was, you didn't know. Gotcha. So. Gotcha. Well, and, and this it's it's a line, and I maybe one day I'll, I'll pick one up and, and get it graded because I think, you know, with with things like that with a lot of accessories, I think grading twelve inch figures looks cool because you have all those pieces that you can put out there and see it to appreciate for what they are. Mark, There's a modern toy that stands out to me in that, and that's that San Diego Comic Con. Uh, Boba Fett exclusive that came in the black box front and people would get them graded and just grade the box, like just grade the box without it open. Yeah. And it just isn't appealing and, and you don't see those sell. And literally someone who got it graded with the box open will sell for twice what right. you would ask for the other right. one. Yeah. Or like Anthony, did you get an x-ray, right? So that way you can kind of see what the inside is. At least something else. <laughs> so Anthony did that with a blue snaggle tooth and it looks spectacular, right? I mean, yeah. because the white seal box is valuable, but it in and itself is just a box and a box. Yep. You don't so, want to open it, right? You don't want to open it, but you want to appreciate the figures. So yeah, it's a great right. idea. So yeah, definitely. If you're if you're a 12 inch GI Joe collector, definitely uh, take a look at what CAS can do for you. And the last one is uh, uh, a number one. He's been on number one a, a couple times, and uh, one of my favorites, and one that Ross and, and I disagree on. Liking, <laughs> um, so it's a Kenner uh, Star Wars uh, twelve back A vinyl cape Jawa. Um, it was great. It was graded in eighty five, um, but now the the cape has changed color. So it, it started. You're starting to see discoloration in the cape, um, and that and because of that, um, it sold for uh, thirteen thousand nine hundred and eighty eight dollars, and that was a buy it now. And we've seen uh, mint ones sell for twenty plus thousand. So a huge discount for that. 
um, cape, and I, I would take a stained cape, vinyl cape Jawa any day of the week. It's funny. So it received a, the, as a whole an 85 grade. Right? That, that was the final grade on it. Correct. So does that mean it's stained? It The ore staining occurred after the grading, right? That's right. what we're assuming? Okay. Right. Because in March, we had another 12A vinyl cape. Um, but this was graded after the discoloring. So uh, they graded a 75 overall, 85, 85, 70 uh, for $9,100. So it, I think it's interesting that it's basically the same figure, but because one was graded before and one was graded after the discoloration occurred, um, that's about a $4,000 difference, right? Yeah. yeah. This, this illustrates the, the difference, I think, in car grading versus toy grading. But I think in toy grading, you really got to make sure you're buying the piece and the grade and not just the grade. Yeah. Right. Yeah. When, you, when you grade yeah. a card, it's very unlikely that the condition of that card is going to change. But toy grading, there's a lot of stuff that can change after a grade. And this this is probably the most prevalent issue to show that. And I, honestly, I think whoever spent that money freaking wasted their money. Um, uh, that can be a customer, Ross. Be nice. Why are you so mean? <laughs> no, I'm saying I think that's a Sorry, seven that's seven thousand dollar piece. I think that I think that nine thousand dollar price point that Anthony, you know, mentioned for the for the graded one with the true grade for that piece is probably the right price. Someone here bought the grade, not the toy, and and. They Oh, pardon. Am I, I'm not supposed to swear. You have to more more editing. Thanks a lot. Yeah, like, yeah. Like I don't have enough <laughs> to do. Thanks hey, at least I edited mine. <laughs> yeah, you this did. Supposed to be easy. So, whoever bought that, you're you, you made a bad move, in my view. Well, I, I I seem to agree with Ross here that I think that um, this is not something that I would advise someone to investing into on that level. If you're going to spend that amount of money, you're going to find another five to eight to put it into one that is going to hold that top tier value. That's how I suggest to people usually when they're buying yeah. top tier is if you're going to go top tier, buy top tier. Um, it's too hard to try to replace that down the road. And you've now purchased a piece that's going to be harder to sell. And, and, that's and the, the thing is, is that with, with, with the vinyl cape Chow is that even the, the mint ones now could turn, you know, it's, it's happening to, to a lot of them. So, you know, maybe it will drive the prices down, which means that maybe someday I'll own yeah. one. But, you know, because it's always going to have. So for me, the Vinyl Cape Jawa is the is the, the I'll say the 52 mantle of the Star Wars um, universe. And I would consider the rocket firing Boba Fett to be the Honus Wagner. So being that the um, that the the um, I love I love the analogy. Sorry. I did. Too. Well, well I just good. well, being that that. You know, the Vinyl Cape Jawa is probably the Star Wars item that a non-Star Wars collector might know about yeah. as being rare, right? Yeah. So, you know, um, and so I think it will always have a, a huge place in the hobby, but it is unfortunate that, like, that these are, are turning, you know? It's, yeah. it's, okay, well, cool. Well, that it brings us to the end of the podcast, and um, usually we do a... Um, well, what do you call it, Anthony? Uh... Oh, yeah, our, our two cents. That's right. Yes, our yeah. two cents. Our two cents. Um, okay, so on the fly, we forgot we're going to do it, so I came up with a little a little recommendation. Uh, Steve, usually at the end of a show, we, we plug something that we like in our life, maybe not even collecting related. Um, Adult so, or bourbons. <laughs> well, this is related. So in the last episode, I um, – I, uh, 
I recommended uh, Liquid IV. Remember that? It's like a little additive to your water to help you hydrate. Right. This does the exact opposite. So this is this is actually a uh, hard cider mill in New Jersey called Burnt Mills. Okay. Um, we actually my 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 kids' elementary school just had a fundraiser there this past Saturday uh, Sunday. And um, it's great. I'm not a big hard cider fan. I mean, I, I probably would enjoy a beer better, but um, this is a great local brewery. They actually do sell nationwide. And this particular flavor, Fall Spice, this time of year um, is actually pretty good. And it's a great brewery. It's local. It has a lot of revolutionary war history. Actually, it's called Burnt Mills because uh, the British burned it down because they wouldn't give up their flour to them. Um, and... Um, in the fall, I do enjoy a hard cider, and uh, nice. you can pick it up. Burnt Mills check it hard out. cider. Yeah. Let me, let me ask you a question. Did um, either Burnt Mills or Liquid IV give us any money for these endorsements? Absolutely not. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I actually so bought a four pack and uh, I had actually buy it. Venture. But... I mean, it's a for profit venture. I'm just saying. And neither did uh, Star Wars started. Risk. Star Wars Risk did not, you know. Yeah. Um, 10 grand. 10 grand, 5 grand, 1 grand. <laughs> well, I'm gonna, I'm sending the, I'm going to send the brewery this maybe. clip, and maybe uh, I'll get a free four-pack of False Spice. We'll nice. Worth it. Nice. I'll, send, right. I'll, send you each, I'll send you each one of them. Now we're cooking with bacon. There you go. All right. You go. Well, I'm supposed to keep this to a half-hour segment, and we're at an hour, so I absolutely failed. I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Darn it. But thank awesome, you. Uh, awesome investors, Corner Chris. Good job. You're doing a. Well, I'll put my two cents in because I'm your guest. So I'll throw that in really quick. Cool. And that is nice. uh, coming out in, let's see, what is it? It is uh, in 2022, early 2022. Slash's new album is coming out uh, February, February nice. uh, 11th. Um, it is him and Miles Kennedy's and the Conspirators, Brent Fitz is the drummer for slash he is a huge toy collector so go out and buy the album guys and check out that because slash takes us all the way back through our collecting days all the way into some of our childhoods and some of our uh teenage years um because i do believe that music is right alongside our passion behind collecting and uh you know to 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 have that music and live it but um to support somebody who is in that collector world. Um, he's a really big, uh, he's a Star Wars collector. He's really big in the world of Evil Knievel stuff nice. um, and has some really unique stuff. And uh, so anyway, so uh, that's my two cents is, hey, that album's coming out soon. The first single just dropped. So if you can go check it out, cool. um, the album comes awesome. out in February and uh, definitely go check it out. Nice. Awesome. That'd be awesome. Good advice. Thank you so much. And thank you everybody for listening. This has been, um, well, we're glad to be back. Um, and, and, and thanks for putting up with what was supposed to be a shorter show, but I absolutely failed. So um, <laughs> <laughs> until next time, keep collecting. My friends. My friends. Yeah.